0: Alright, that can go on quite a bit longer if I'm actually getting this thing started on time and not late as I am today already because I was trying to put that together and I, I must admit watching it there I'm a little disappointed in myself. It only was two and a half hours of work to get that far this morning. Well, let's see what I can do by by next week. Ideally, you got more transitions, a little less just Fisk Panorama and some more cool stuff, better text and all that coming through. But that was the first time I've opened Final Cut in probably four to a lie if I say four years. I have opened it in the last four years. I have opened it once per year in the last four years. So I've not really spent any time digging into video editing. I kind of miss it. I really enjoyed what I was working on this morning, and I wanted to do more, and that's why I got carried away. I'd hoped to do three short, really easy things. Yeah, Jonathan. Uh, This morning, uh, and I just got that one done, and as it is, I, I, I am not on time as I'd hoped to be, but all the same, hey! It's Saturday morning. It's time to chill. I don't even have my notes to tell me how I'm supposed to say that normally. I have a way. That I don't normally say that. I also have my grab bag, which thank goodness we got that content this morning. The – what? What are we going to call mm, – mm, mm. how do I say this? I want this to be more um, – more prepared to delivery. It, it was in a conversation this week with Frisbee the Hand. In I don't know if we were working on artwork for Mad Mondays or or, or what you know avenue of uh, discussion of philosophy and Dostoevsky and all this other stuff that we do behind scenes for your sakes. In the midst of all of this, she just kind of offhandedly referred to all of you who enjoy this show on Saturday morning together and hang out together and talk in the in the sidebar here as it was so awesome. It was in the objective. Us, and you got to put a comma there. So, but but I wouldn't if I branded it. But you would need to to like understand it. It was us, comma, the chill, and and I realized that you know forget ninjas and pirates and all the rest of it. You you want to live forever? Let's be us, the chill. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So us the chill. I so wanted to have an us the chill video this morning. That didn't quite happen. But us the chill. In you all and Frisbee the Hand have put together a whole host of questions for me to dig right into this morning. So even though I am as not as prepared for that as I'd like to be for the sake of the video and the music and all that kind of stuff, um, we got all sorts of content to dig right into, and we'll leave the polish for the opening number uh, for the days when all this stuff is is greased and, and ready to go. I did see those super chats as well, and just to say thank you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull them in and see if I can answer these right off the bat here for you. So first off, we got from Aunt Paul coming in. He says, is it true that seminarians should not tweet? I remember... Mm. Excuse me. I remember the first time I heard the word "tweet," and I believe it was Chris Roseborough on Pirate Christian. No, 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 no. On on issues, etc. This might have been. It can't have been before. It would have been some vicarage year, I think. Uh, he's on issues, etc., talking about the word "tweet," and I think Chris. Uh, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but I think you were skeptical of whether it would catch on. <laughs> If I recall, and I think I trusted you, I was like, "Yeah, I think he's probably right." It's a dumb word. Uh, so as, whenever I see this, I still think of the, uh, th- that kind of feeling. Like it's never going to catch on. It may not have been Chris. It may not have been issues. It may just be crazy me, right? But uh, is it true that seminarians should not do this? Well, who told you that? And what's your context? Uh, here's the thing: when I was in the seminary, we knew quietly and unspokenly that even though it was pretty hard to get kicked out of seminary, you had to try. You could. If you tried, and one of the ways to do it was to do things publicly and stupidly. And so anything you do on the internet is one of those two things automatically. And as on a given day, a given moment, you got a 50-50 of the other, kind of. And it kind of depends what you put your foot into accidentally. I watched guys really lose their path to pastoral ministry because on Vicarage, some kind of random person just hated them. You know, <laughs> So, so it, 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 if you're going to go out there onto the Twitter sphere, just realize where you're at. And if the wrath comes down upon you for something you said somewhere and your connection to the seminary and the LCMS, and all of the finances of whoever's funding whoever brings what? Protests and picket lines outside the, the seminary with your name on it. Just don't expect the institution to roll over and die for you. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. And if they can stop that from happening before it does, they're going to. And so they're going to police themselves with some sort of regularity. And that's understandable. Does that mean that therefore you should not have a Twitter account or tweet? that's wisdom and how much you got of it, I guess, in a sense, you know, and how are you going to use it and what are you going to do with it? And why do you want to be on Twitter to begin with? It's just such a pit of death. And it isn't because there's so many good people there trying to do so much good and all it turns into is – anxiety. So, so I don't know. Um, if, if you're going to, I'd say have a plan and know it's your public face for the rest of your life. This is your, this is your LinkedIn account. If you don't got one of those, and I don't know if you need one or not, you might, but if you don't, um, this is it. This is where the world's going to find you. So what are you going to tweet and why? Um, it, that's the question. In seminary, I had a blog. I don't know if anybody knows this, but me. I really don't. My wife probably remembers this, and maybe like three friends. I had a blog called Cross Theology, and it was anonymous. Uh, I went under the name Othniel, and I uh, also—that was back in the forums days. Before you could argue at Facebook, you had to go into these forums and hit Refresh to argue with people. It was really slow and tedious. Dial-up, I mean, really Come on. Any case, (laughs) sorry, sorry. That commercial for the 1980s and Gen X living was enough to completely distract me from everything else that I was saying the moment before this, so that I'm going to be Kermit the Frog and take a sip of tea. Remember what I was saying and answer your question. I had a blog called Cross Theology under the name of Othniel, and I don't know if anybody knew who I was, and I remember the day I closed it down and deleted all of it. It was fourth year. And we were set to graduate. It was the week before. And word came to us, my class, 2006, Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. I believe this is public record. So I don't think I'm spilling beans here or nothing. I hope I'm not spilling beans. If I am spilling beans, then that makes it even worse. But uh, week before we graduate, right? Uh, Week before call, uh, is it call day already? I don't remember now. That's an interesting question for, for my memory. But word comes down. That there's going to be a um, conversation had with every single one of us in the graduating class about something that happened off campus that was not sin, I would say, in any sense of the term. Like your mind's going to run to like the red light district, and it's just so far away from that. It's more like you know political in in unprudence, lack of prudence in the LCMS political climate. That's what I would say he did. Okay, and uh, the person in question. We're all. No one knows who it is. So there's this like moment where something happened outside of uh, our world as seminarians with a seminarian, and it brought us. So every single one of us had to sit in a closed room with two professors and affirm. uh, I can't remember if they made us vow or not. I was frustrated that they did wouldn't just take my yes and no as an answer, but they made us affirm that we had not done this, this deed of writing a letter somewhere. And uh, so, we all go through this, and most of us are like, well, we don't think anyone did it, but if they did, like, what's the deal? It's kind of scary. But I realized at that moment that uh, anything I'd done publicly before that, they would hold over me. And I went on and I deleted, I deleted cross theology. There was nothing there but theology. Nothing but theology, nothing but me applying what they taught me to the public square. But I just realized, you know what? I don't want a online presence that exists before I'm ordained. I just don't want it there. You know even I think it was good i'm I, I'm sad I didn't I, I I deleted it I wish I could go back and read it um but you know I remember writing about the uh the paralytic participle something something and, and like connecting it to like Greek pottery and then Jesus it was like it was the kind of stuff that if you like me, you like it and, and in any case um but I deleted it for this this very reason the the, the person who told you this is the reason I deleted it is like online professional clergy like Own this immediately. Brand it for what it is because uh, it's how you will be followed and known the rest of your life. And so if you're going to start... There's this other thing, we don't call you seminarians. Uh, we, we refer to converts sometimes this way, you know, entering a cage stage. Uh, you need to be left alone with your theology for a while to figure it out, because you're going through like a metamorphosis, right? And he's like, it's like, stay over there until you're not like barking at people, right? And uh, even even new newborn you know pastors coming out of the seminary, it really, that's our, our biggest upward hurdle, is to realize how to... <laughs> uh, can I describe it this way again? I've done it before and it's never offended people before. You have to think of a young pastor, and even then yourself here as a seminarian, you're a puppy. And if you don't know puppies, you should just go watch puppies sometime. They're really cute. What they do is they run around everywhere and are just cute. And then they pee on you. Yeah? Now, so you are, if you're if you're a seminarian, entering seminary, coming out of seminary, a young pup pastor, you are a puppy, and you are going to run around the world and you're gonna pee. What you're going to pee is god's honest truth and this is a good thing we need more puppies in the world i'm not kidding anybody who's against puppies i'm not for them you know what i'm saying so so i'm all for puppies and cleaning up the pee but the thing is as you grow up from being a puppy to a pastor is to recognize that there are times and places i mean dogs do this it's just an analogy come on people Bear with me. Uh, my neighbor's dog and another neighbor's dog are doing it in my yard, like like over the past week, they're like talking to each other uh, via walk, right? Uh, you do other things with the pee, and they're of value because when it's used rightly as a dog, um, then it is in fact part of eh, what expanding territory, building community. I mean, it's it even connects to all the way that that dogs live together. If you like that, I mean, it's really cool stuff, right? My point is that right, young pup pastor. You want to uh, to recognize that right now you have a tendency to over overextend your hand when playing theological jujitsu on the internet. You're going to do that. Are you sure you want to leave a record? That's what they're saying. And if you're ready to leave a record, man, leave a record. Let your yes be no <laughs> let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't hide anything in darkness. I'm embarrassed that I published anonymously. I shouldn't have. I, the internet was brand new. None of us knew what we were doing. But I, I think it was wrong now to do that. I should have at least had my name publicly associated with the, the thing in some way. Uh, I, but but that's you know that's my mor- morality in my own mind, what I draw from, Eighth Commandment, and yes, BS, no be no, and, and all that kind of stuff. So if, you, if you're ready to do it, do it. But do it with the wisdom of one who understands just how much of a Wild West this is, even compared to five years ago, because when the agenda will, will will veer its eye on you, if you're on Twitter, and Twitter doesn't like you, you might be famous in the wrong way real fast. And if you aren't ready for that one, well, yeah, great question. I hope that was a good answer. I, I, think, I think it made sense. It may not have been right. That's always the question. Uh, Cafe Sola says... Should lay Lutherans have podcasts or just leave it to the trained pastors? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine having to listen to Sports Talk Radio done by a Lutheran pastors? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um,. Uh, uh, so, I, I'm going to read the question as though I, I think I know what you mean. You're not really talking about all podcasts. You're talking about theological podcasts or podcasting, in which the teaching office might be exercised accidentally by a Christian, right? Oh, watch out. So, and, and I'm all for the distinction of the teaching office, and I don't think we even really understand it or make use of it as much as we might boast of it. But that being said, right, um, it, the reason for the question is the fear That if Christians got together and talked about Jesus and it was recorded and they made a mistake and then someone heard it, that would be false teaching, right? Um, And like, there's a good reason that we should be afraid of that, but I don't think that that fear is a reason to not do the things, right? That's like saying, like, there's a danger I'm going to get hit on the road today driving to work, so I'm not going to. No, no, you're going to drive carefully is what you're going to do. Right? You're going to drive carefully and with understanding. Now, this is kind of the trick, though. So, at what is the end of the podcast? Uh, is it to be a didache? Is it to be a, an extension of the teaching office for the sake of the church as predictant, as preacher, herald, proclaimer, forgiver of sins? Or is it just, you know, a teacher? History. Just cool stuff, and theology needs it. Greek. You know, uh, what the Bible says, narrative, exegetics, systematics. I mean, there are atheists who teach this stuff and probably do it kind of well, as long as you know it. So that's the question, right? How do, you, how do you distinguish between teaching and preaching? And that's one that I'll just have to say that we don't have a good history of that one, kiddos, uh, here in this here. What, LCMS, or are we bigger than that yet? Um, Wells? ELS? How we doing? yeah, <laughs> Donna, are you still watching? I don't know. So, so I don't know. Uh, Chris, the the answer is, you certainly can. Why are you going to? Um, it seems to me more interesting to not try to do a podcast about something that's not your thing. But see, if theology is your thing, well then, that would be cool to do a podcast about it. At what point does theology being your thing convert from... Um, you didn't see where I'm going here, <laughs> uh, convert from uh, being a layman uh, to being one who needs to preach. And I'm going to say that we haven't made that the easiest path, and for good reason, but the hurdles we put in front of it now may or may not be actually achieving the ends we set them for. So, so what I want you to hear is you should not discourage yourself from pursuing the office of the ministry because you believe that means you have to leave where you live right now, And never go back and quit your job and all that. You know, what you should do is just start talking to your pastor about, as the Board of Elders, how you could possibly follow the SMP program through the seminaries and then serve as an aid to him there where you are and uh, uh, put your hunger for the words into a a thing which— is in fact authorized to proclaim them. And at that point, you know, go do your podcast about just theology. But, but what I want to say, though, is it's not like you shouldn't do podcasts about God or truth or the world or life and how you live that and how these things intersect. If you're a Christian doing a podcast about art, I sure hope you're talking about what you believe, worldview-wise, with regard to your art. Even if you aren't trying to turn all of them into sales pitches for Jesus, you should at least be talking about redemption, and, you know, holiness and cleanliness and all the light versus darkness and the epic battle of good against evil and all that kind of stuff, right? So. Um, To say that you couldn't podcast, to answer this question with like a no, you leave it to the pastors, is just so nonsensical. It's as good as taking the creed out of your mouth, which I I think I've heard people make the argument in such a way that they effectively said that, right, that all you get to do is listen. (laughs) As a layman, I was like, okay, whatever. So um, yeah, Chris, I hope that's a good enough answer for you. Uh, I'd say it depends, and it depends why and what and where to and what for, and um, you could, but then maybe you shouldn't, and then maybe you should, and then actually not be a layman anymore too. And it all depends. Talk to your pastor. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, we got. Aunt Paul came back a second time here. Did you? Did you just cut in line? Did I skip somebody? No. Nope, no. Nope, no. Nope, no. Nope, no. Nope. Paul came back a second time. Uh, also, what's with all the Queenslander representation? Vernie, Georgie, and I seem to be the main Australian representation here. Uh oh. It's a. Um, is I don't know what to call that. Was that a shot A shout across the bow? Uh, in Australian, um, what, uh, uh, local rivalry? Is that what that was? That's kind of cool. So, um, I don't know. My, my Australian viewership base, I I should have mentioned, uh, Lutheran Church of Australia when I mentioned the other church bodies earlier. My, my Australia viewer base, I think is not small, but I don't really know I haven't dug into like who you are. But when I look at YouTube it says like where I'm getting watched regularly, you know, US and then a uh, little Canada and then Australia pops up there, you know, pretty pretty big. So, yeah, shout out down under and all that. I I I don't want to be insulting, but I could do it, but if I think about it, while well, I try to do it the first time, I won't be able to do it. I'll mess up. I'll feel embarrassed. I'll get that kind of hot, sweaty, flooded rush thing, and then I'll not do it very well. And so it's, I, I don't want to, but I can do the accent, and I love it. It is, it is absolutely a, a gorgeous accent uh, from the moment that, that uh, Crocodile Dundee— uh, and that wasn't very good. See, I knew, I knew if I tried it, I'd be nervous. Um, uh, from the moment that Crocodile Dundee you know, came into my my what— 1983 five-year-old life, something like that. So, you know, uh, I I just, I've I've adored the idea of Down Under. So, and um, now I'm going to lose his name. Um, I can't get his name. The guy who died, uh, the the zoologist, also made a big impact in my life. Uh, That guy's had a huge mark on just the way I view... The beauty and the hope of creation because uh, he saw a creation with the eyes that God made for it. And I can't think of his name now. Um, his wife's still out there active I believe in in uh, TV and education through uh, uh, for zoology. So again, shout out to you Australians. The world is better for having you around. Uh, Paul says one more time, oh, it was Pastor Feeney. And there's no shout outs to Pastor Feeney. Although there should be. He does such good work. It's so funny. But nonetheless, we will not shout out to him. Darth Mix says, uh, you once talked about a new kind of service you'd like to to do an early sermon service with a separate communion service? Further thoughts? Yes. And then we'll dig into no more super chats for the moment and the grab bag from all y'all from last week. And so, um, would I? why would I like to do a, a different kind of service, one that has an early sermon service, one that separates it to a communion service? Well, the idea is not that I would like to do that. The idea is that that's what the early church did. And they had a reason for it, which was that they were not the dominant religion in the culture. They expected people to come to church who were not Christians, who were not baptized, who had no understanding of what was going on, and they realized that to try to usher them into the Holy of Holies was going to be more or less a big turnoff and not possible. It's going to be weird, awkward, and you're going to get the worst of both worlds on a number of, of different avenues, such as you're going to dumb down what you're doing for worship in order to reach them, and then they're not really going to get reached that well, nor will people get reached that well, because they're going to have the dumbed-down stuff all the time. So... Uh, they would usher out those who had not been baptized, which meant then usually, as an adult at least, would be communing that day as well. And as I was just thinking about, you know, the the, the weird world we live in, and I'm talking about. 15 years ago at seminary, I was thinking about the weird world we live in and how rough a time the church is having of it, really. If you look at our, our, our mark that we're making, they don't even listen to us anymore. You know, We're, we're drowned out in the white noise. So, so it's like, well, okay. So then how do you create that space where the person who comes to visit and has no clue who you are, right? I have no clue about Christianity, but man, does she love her cousin? Yeah. <laughs> and she wants to commune, right? How do you how do you begin to untease that knot from the, well, we practice closed communion, and if you're LCMS, then it's okay. You know, that's not an answer. How do we tease that knot out and and create a space where there's time to have this teaching be devotionally reverent and real? And the the answer to me seemed to be clearly, oh, the early church had it where they didn't have you come if you weren't going to commune and were not prepared to commune that day. And that was largely connected to your, well, being absolved recently by that priest, that pastor, whatever you want to call him, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. By the one who had the office of the ministry, you were under his care. You wouldn't just walk into that communion service without having announced that you were going to be there or that it was known that you were going to come there. And uh, so it just creates that that space between us and the world wherein um, wherein the catechesis can actually take place. And it stops us from having to fight about, you know, can we use guitar once in a while? Like we we really wouldn't have to fight about that. I think we should still fight about <clears throat> borrowing the Baptist songs, as if it doesn't <laughs> doesn't change everything. Oh, we can make it work. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like I don't know, I don't even know what to compare that to. In it's more than square peg round hole. Um, uh, anyway, is for another time. But um, some Velcro comes to mind. Velcro and glue come to mind for some reason. Uh, blah 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 blah. So to be able to have that space for catechesis, uh, introduction, inquiry, learning, um, even again like some experimentation, so that the the music would not necessarily. Um, <clears throat> be tied to the presence of Jesus at that moment, <laughs> uh, but instead could be tied to prayer, uh, you know, and, and to teaching and the word. And you could craft, uh, that, that a little more nuanced to like, your, your location, and all this kind of stuff. But then when you get to the Holy of Holies, there's a, there's a culture beyond you. It just never changes, right? You're not trying to meet the culture here. Culture is repented and dead here. Here you have what lasts forever. And, um, so, the, the real trick with this uh, this theory or this approach is getting anybody to change anything at any group of people's anything ever is hard. It's doubly hard if you don't pay them, so you can't tell them to do it. And so, <laughs> it'd be one thing just to move the service time. You want to actually separate one service into two, so people come twice on Sunday. This ain't ever happening, friend. So, as much as I've thrown it out here this morning as an idea to, like, bat around and think about, and it's kind of interesting, and it's like, that's what the early church did, and there's precedent, and actually, oh, it all makes a ton of sense, this this is unrealistic. This is a pipe dream that is just is not going to happen short of something likened to pandemics compelling us to meet, say, in secret or something. You know, I don't know. You know but outside of that, I just don't see it happening. People aren't going to they're not they're not going to change to get more. <laughs> Which should put your uh, your finger on the, the temperature gauge for the problem. Don't you think if the problem is there's too much word of God this morning, I got to get home. You know, so if that's what's really going on, we have a problem. Houston? I don't know about Houston. U.S.? Christianity? we got a problem. So, um, but that said, I I don't think that you get the solution by making up a law based on a tradition that seems logical. That's not the solution. The solution is good knowing God, good preaching, good confession, good talk about God, the Word of God in our midst, being... Something that matters enough to us that we ask these questions enough times that uh, we do want to apply it, where we are, how we are. Maybe not by putting together the tactic that I just talked about of two services and all this, but simply the principle of knowing that the world's not going to understand when they walk in the door. That it's not going to understand. And so we should probably kind of be ready for that as opposed to the training of the Constantinian, uh, what, banshee, ghost, uh, illusion. Which kept us supported by the culture for the you know, seventeen hundred years. Wow, it was a sweet gift, you know. But it's gone now. <laughs> so you know, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, I, I don't know if it's really the answer, 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 but it certainly um, is um, uh, is is wrestling with the real problem and seeking the solution and the belief that history has been through something like unto this before. Theology is the thing that ultimately matters and cannot pass away, and love for my neighbor will stay my hand so that I never really go out and do it on my own just because I think it's right, right? And so as you're working in those parameters, which would come down to loving God and loving your neighbor, um, asking the question, you know, how can we enhance the way we welcome the unbeliever, the hypocrite, the pagan, uh, the infidel? Sunday morning, hi, infidel. We got a guest name tag for you. It says, hi, I'm an infidel. <laughs> you know, hey, that's probably not what we want to do. But we should have a plan so that's not what we end up doing. Because someone might think that's a good idea. That happens too. So, cool stuff. I am going to uh, imagine. I'm like sinking in my chair because I'm just getting comfortable. I am going to <clears throat> run a test here. Uh, I mean, today is like, is, is video learning testing day still a little bit? Uh, so, we're going to run the same Commercial more than once. I can change the music though. I'm just I got to figure this out how to do this. And what I want to do is transition scenes and not have it be all funky. And so um, we're gonna we're gonna run that here. So we're at half an hour in, even though I was a little bit late, and gonna take our first break. It's been a blast coming back with grab bag number one. If we can even get through that, and that's all of you, and then my responses to it here on Saturday morning chill. It's the Mad Christian. Saturday morning chill, and one day, one day it might almost be more professional than I'm not going to mention anything that guy might do on radio around tables talking. Oh, we're back, but there's no camera. That that worked out real well. Can you hear me at least? Yes, you can hear me. Hi, guys. This is fun. So I am thinking I'm about done with a program called Eyeglasses, which should function so perfectly with Ecamm, given that it's made by the same company that makes Ecamm. Unfortunately, it has decided recently, this is the second time it's done this to me, to mid-show just lose my camera. And so here we are, and you can see what I want you to see, but you can't see me. And I'm working with all that is in me to figure out how to, well that's not gonna help. Okay, there we go, we're, we're almost there, but if I went to, okay, I can do this. We'll do this here, just like that. Now if I go back here, there it is. Kids, you really want to try this at home? You sure? You sure? You sure you want this kind of fun? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Find something that sells because doing this in a way that made money (laughs) would allow you to do it better faster. So here we do it better one day at a time. Yeah, just like the rest of the world that doesn't have uh, all, all the funding in, in the world. Hey, I am going to stop complaining about my camera. It's not even my camera. I could, though, because it's Logitech's fault. And anyone who's owned a Logitech a Logitech webcam uh, external to your computer knows that these things, while being marvelous pieces of hardware, quite phenomenal, really, are the most dastardly and awful software-driven driver, blah, blah, complete useless things. You cannot control any of the features with any kind of precision or use. And, you, and to find something which helps you do this, that's what I have this eyeglasses thing for. You know, if you got to have like a billion other pieces coming through, and, and it doesn't even work. Logitech, stop building software, build the hardware, throw it out there, and ask people to build software for it, and we'll have a way to love your cameras. But at this point, I don't think I'm ever buying one again. So, anyway, Logitech, that, that, that may not have been you, that might have been eyeglasses, but it's your fault. I have eyeglasses because of you, Logitech, so thank you. Thank you very much. And if anybody wants to, like, pizza that one so we can cut it and, like, tweet that one at Logitech, I'd love it. Because that's a real review. And I really mean it. <laughs> and I know it's not about Christianity. But it's true. It's, it's not thievery. You didn't steal from me, Logitech, by selling me a fantastic camera and then locking it behind your crappy software. You didn't do that. You just were foolish. And, and I think you should know that because as your customer— who wants to be a return customer, uh, well, shouldn't I be happy with the purchase? Or do you know everything already, Logitech? Because you've been writing software for 30 years. I'm sure you have. Okay, whatever. So, fun times. Let's dig away from, again, my rambling. I don't know. You listened. <laughs> Let's dig into what you got to say uh, this morning. Uh, big gulp uh, On big gulps. Uh, BR Hodes, 625 says... I love your videos, brother. Generally fun to listen to. Why? Thank you. Uh, y- y- my only suggestion: your drinking gulping is so loud. Uh, maybe I'm just that guy who gets easily bothered by those things, but it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up every time. Does it really? See, I have two ways to I have two ways to receive this input of yours. You do realize this, right? And and I'm the guy who never got this as a kid. Like when guys did this to me, I was like I like cried about it. I was such a little punk about it. But like. Like, when you let the guys know that you don't like the nickname, like, man, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with it. They're just going to bring it back harder than ever. I will actually authentically, after that 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 one moment, uh, make an endeavor to move away from the microphone and practice it here. You lost the camera for a second, but I will, I will try to do that. The trick is, of course being that I am talking constantly and in, have a habit, of course, of not having commercials for the last, you know, I don't know, six months. Uh, so e- the voice needs to be wetted, all that kind of stuff. But if I can work your wonderful comment into uh, the commercials, well, then we're, we're set, right? I'll drink it during the commercials. That would be what I used to do when I was on live radio. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also had a mute button, but that involved a sound setup that I don't have here. so. That's what you do. Thank you for the comment. And uh, no, it's good. It's good. You know what? It's so good. Tim Ferriss. You ready for our Tim Ferriss shot? I love Tim Ferriss. He has given me so much good information and he has given so much attention to what he does professionally. I'm so surprised, though, given his knack for exposing flaws and ticks, that he's got a tick in his podcast. He's got people who he pays to edit these podcasts and they don't take this out. And it's like, it's this every time it's <laughs> and Tim, 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 I love you. You've changed my life. <laughs> it's a tick, man. Do you know what's there? I don't want to be rude. I don't wanna be rude. I want you to like, you're, you're awesome. Right. But it's like for all that you've done, how do, how do you miss that one? Um, anyway, don't clip that one. That was so mean, but I, but that's how I feel about it. I really do. Uh, And so you're right to point it out to me. And I want to take my own feeling as a listener to other podcasts, and I'm going to apply that to my podcast. And aside from ribbing you, I'm going to uh, put it into practice. So thank you. Love it. Sacraments, E-Free, and NLT. Michelle says this, Pastor Fisk, is the NLT, I think you're saying that's the New Living Translation, right? A good translation for daily use. My from the hip answer is no. Why? It's a paraphrase. Uh, that means that it is basically an editorial commentary on the text, which I'm not against on principle, but it's a really bad one because of who did it. How do I know that? Because of who did it. Uh, they're Protestants. They're a-sacramental. They can't really do it right. Uh, being a-sacramental makes you an historian. You're going to get the Old Testament. It's typology, and it's pointing to Christ entirely wrong, and you know, there you go. So it, it, I would say go away from that. If we had one that was good, I'd recommend it to you. We don't. Um, and so you instead want to move toward what do you call a dynamic, uh, dynamic equivalent, uh, NASB. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's the right one. Uh, and, NKJV those are two good places to go. new, new no, no, NASB. What's the one? There's another one Wolfmuller always recommends and I don't, but I'm trying to. And if it's not NASB, I did it wrong. So you can correct me in the comments if you know. Uh, she also asked, can someone explain the difference between evangelical free <laughs> and Lutheran. I, it depends on the evangelical free a little bit, because one of the points of evangelical free is that you're whatever you want to be. You know, it's proto or pre-non-denominationalism, right? They hadn't yet quite gotten to like saying we don't have denominations, we're on our own, but they effectively were acting like it, and and it means that. that you know, we are evangelical, we're, we're not Roman Catholic. <clears throat> doesn't mean Lutheran, it means not Roman Catholic. Uh, and then free would mean that we're not tied to any body except ourselves. And that that movement in that group is huge. But by and large, they're Baptists. Maybe they were. Uh, I think by and large, they're liberal now. And by that, I mean like Bible ain't true kind of liberal, but not always. Again, because it's going to have a lot to do with the pastor and the history there and all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it is like a post or middling Puritan congregationalism uh, and then on your way into Billy Graham revivalism, like somewhere in there as Protestantism is rebooting itself a billion times a year, every year to try to get everyone's attention, um <laughs> somewhere in there you get evangelical free as a movement that's like a big push in that. But then ends up being part of what goes, if I'm not mistaken, goes a bit liberal. Is that right? Or are they the pushback against the early, early liberals, like the nineteen twenty liberals? That's it's a it's a bit of a shadowy spot in my in my history. But there's a there's a tie in to a a, a point at which the what you might have thought is the Bible believing Christian groups, um, in their denominations, churches, whatever, began doubting the scriptures' veracity, <clears throat> questioning the inerrancy of the scriptures. And the initial evangelical movements, some of them, um, in America, Billy Graham again, uh, were part of a pushback against that. Christianity Day Today was a pushback against that. It's a magazine that came out and at one point was about keeping Christianity conservative. Whoa, how the times have changed. As I say that, the times have changed. Have they not? Yes, they have indeed. But all this said, I hope that helps a little bit. Lutheran would be not any of those things. <laughs> it, it, like, like radically different from that. Uh, in a nutshell, Bible believing, but like you'd probably think we're Catholic if you walked into our church and it's a lot of explanation. There's a really great video with a guy named Will Whedon uh, and the one-hour Bible man 15 minute something, 15 minute Bible hour is very clever. I just got it wrong. I think it's 15 minute Bible hour. Um, so, so Google that if you want to get like the, 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 the lowdown on Lutheranism and in, in a, uh, you know, shot in the arm kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and then apply that to what I said to evangelical free there. She also asks, our church says baptism is nothing more than like our wedding ring. Is this true that it's just a symbol? So, um, The answer is no, it's not true. It's not just a symbol. The answer that it's nothing more than your wedding ring, I'd kind of think is demeaning to your wedding ring to begin with, if you're going to, if you're with what I know Baptists teach about baptism. (laughs) That's like a really sad way to talk about your wedding ring, actually. It makes it weaker even. But, um, well, the question, uh, Michelle, is this. It's not what does the church say, and this is really important here, If you're going to ask the question, you know, what is baptism? Is it a symbol, or is it something else? Whatever that might be, beyond symbol. The the answer is not what does the church say it is? The answer is what does the Bible say it is? What do the scriptures written by the earliest church commissioned to do so by Jesus himself, what does that say it is? And 1 Peter 3 21 is the verse i'd point you to to like highlight and then like come back to what i'm saying right now and listen to what i'm going to say again after you've done that i'm gonna tell you right now like you're gonna read it and you're gonna ignore it you're gonna go past it you're gonna say no i'm okay there's more and you're gonna keep doing that for a while but that's why i just want you to highlight it and i really just want you to highlight the first First couple of words, but there's a there's a little comma portion that gets in the way. So I just want you to just let us sit there. And, and have your question get answered by that verse first. One verse can be wrong, but let's just start with that one by itself. What would it say on the surface? Right? 1 Peter 3.21. What would that mean if I just let it mean what it sure looks like it means? And then from there... All the other pieces can eventually fall into place pretty smoothly. But that hiccup, and you know, I'm, I'm guinea-pigging you a little bit here to, in the experiment. I'd love to have you, if you're watching it this morning, this was from last week, if you're watching this morning, I'd love to have you try this, and you can get back to me and tell, you, tell me if this was good advice or not. But I think, the thing is, you just have to reckon with those words by themselves and acknowledge their possibility, that it is possible they mean what it looks like they say on the surface. And then from there enter every other text with the possibility open. Because at the moment, the church that would ask the question or say it's just a, simple, a symbol has never yet acknowledged the possibility that it could say something else. That the scriptures could say something else. Now, what does it say? Do you want to know what it says? What it is? Yeah? Uh, you know, the text is, baptism saves you goes on to explain how this is not the removal of dirt from the body. This isn't just the water alone that does this. Uh, but the pledge of a clean conscience in God's sight or before God, and the language there is a little finicky, but it's basically that there's a contract between you and God in the water that the water doesn't do it, but God put it in the water. That'd be the word of God in the water, well, it, it ties you, it binds you to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm just I'm just paraphrasing, I'm, I'm new living translating. First Peter three twenty one. So it's not even like the water does it at all. First Peter doesn't say that. It says baptism saves you. The water doesn't save you, but Jesus does. Like, oh, wow, that's different. And that's the whole teaching. I mean, that's it. Everything else we teach just builds on that. So, um, Lutherans, we don't have a great history of 1 Peter 3.21 and our apologetics for baptism. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm not a fan of like making the apologetic as if that's going to win people over. But, uh, I, oh man, it just does it all, doesn't it? <laughs> I think it does. So thank you, Michelle. And I hope my, my answers have been helpful to, helpful to you today. Our Saint, Angel Fire, talking with the e friends. So we're back on the e And they ask, why do we need forgiveness delivered? Isn't it just out there for us to take hold of? Oh, that's fun. That's really interesting. How'd I do? How'd I do? Did it make noise? Um, it's to, for us to take hold of. So, can you hear in the question itself there? Um, I'm going to have to shift so I can highlight for you all. Uh, oh, I can't get to it. Oh, well, that's all right. Can you hear in the question? I'll, I'll read it again. Why do we need forgiveness delivered? Isn't it just out there for us to take hold of? Why do we need forgiveness delivered? Isn't it out there to take hold of? Notice. Now, this could be you translating. They didn't say it this way, but I'd be surprised if, if if you're not quoting this here. Notice the active language. You get that? Take hold. As opposed to, say, some passive language like Receive. Yeah? Notice how their view of forgiveness, which is the bloody divorcing of you from your dead, evil state, is something you actively must do. And that you're used to hearing that God must do it for you. Talking with your friends, they ask, why do I need forgiveness delivered? And they ask it because they don't believe in forgiveness. They believe in salvation by works through their faith as the ultimate work by which they atone from themselves by taking the forgiveness that Jesus earned but can't actually give them. Yeah. It's rough being a Baptist or a Protestant that has to live in that, those waters. It's rough. You'd still be a Christian by all means but it's gonna just, just going to attack you. It's just going to eek at you because your whole agenda is active as opposed to passive. And you say, but then you won't do any good works. And I tell you, really? Are you watching? So whatever, you know, if if that's your answer, then you just don't know The faith is not dead just because it doesn't point to the works to prove itself. It just goes and does them. And you're living in a system that says, do them to prove it and no, the in the in the waiting for the lord game that we're given the passive reality of the gospel the justification of the sinner by an angry god in in that realm you're free and what happens is the freedom begins to see how good this place is going to be hmm Has anybody, I just, I just, tangent, I just, like someone who I wish, I wish I just, I wish there was the way in the world to just drop this video in right now and let you watch it. But if you've never seen Yoda singing about the seagulls, I got to tell you, I mean, I've been happy in my life before. I remember a Dairy Queen commercial with rainbows on fire, and I, it about brought me to tears. I was going to weep for joy and think kingdom would come. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I've had some high moments, but but when when my kids, when my kids pulled out that Yoda bit, oh my goodness! I don't want to do it. I don't want to ruin it. Just Yoda, seagulls, go. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'll I'll be here. You'll miss whatever I say, and it'll be for your faith. You can watch it later. You will. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. If you if you have if Gen X, yes. Um, Star Wars fans, probably. Um, otherwise, probably not. Right. But but that's like most of us here today, right? Kind of. I don't know. So if if you don't have any sci fi Star Wars background, just ignore what I just said. But if if you do, I have I have never laughed with such like. I've cried laughing at like Joe Rogan, and, you know, like in, in pain, like he's so funny and I can't stop. Like it wasn't that. This was just like like a childish frolicking, like, who is the angel from heaven who divined this genius that will forever please me? <laughs> just, oh my goodness. They're going to bite your knees. That's what I got to say. They're going to bite your knees. So be careful. Um, Templars. This sounds more fun. I poked a bear. Okay. This is, oh, wait, wait. I almost skip. Faith Alfresco. Jenna Knight says this. A friend's mom does secret prayer in North Korea. Huh. Wow. Uh, she said, some days you can walk through the woods and hear distant singing of the faithful. The woods are the only place they can worship uh, government oppression. I guess as you mean, you know, uh, with without or because of or, or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, it's rough, man. Uh, that, that That's there and you hear that, it inspires me. I'm, I always take these kinds of 15th hand stories from the mission field with a grain of salt. They should not be the basis for sermons particularly, uh, they, they often were, are, I don't know. Uh, so, but, but it's without question to believe that there are Christians in the world that are ex- experiencing this. And then why would we doubt that the Lord is in North Korea? Why would he not be? He is in all nations. He is after all nations. So yeah, what a thing. And to believe and see what it is and to watch what's going on. I might mean, I didn't even look at the story about, uh, uh, what's his, own's Name, sorry, I don't, I can't remember them all now. I know they, you know, he liked movies, and he was a tyrant, and the next one's gonna be a tyrant. But, um, you know, they scrubbed his name. Like the uh, the next tyrant is somehow purging everybody, which is normal in a in a totalitarian regime. Um, but I didn't even you know go go dig on that. What what a what a place to live in. So so for like how long has it been? Fifteen years since his dad died, something like that. And all this time, everywhere is his picture all the time. He's your savior. He's the divine leader. He's the prophet of God who runs your country against the evil whatever. And, and thank you, China, for defending us and our nuclear uh, aspirations. So this guy who is just everywhere, like he's, he is your prophet as a nation. He dies, and then he's scrubbed. Now, if true. If they can do it, I can do it. And uh, if true. So it was a headline in the feed. I don't know. What do you think? That's kind of nuts. Can you imagine trying to be a Christian under it? So forget whether it's true or not for a moment and imagine being under that. You just watched the one you've been told your whole life, a divine leader, die. His brother's suddenly divine leader now and everyone's supposed to listen to him. Um, uh, Oh, by the way, you're a Christian. What a place to live. God have mercy on him. Ah, wow. We, We see so narrowly to the templars. Josh Radge says, uh, what killed the templars was one part political and outside their control and one part syncretism in France which was their fault and we should learn from. So cool, I would still like to emphasize that the the they in templars probably should not be ascribed to their entire historical tradition or understanding, but at a certain time and place and connected to power and development. So that would be it's kind of like trying to talk about the LCMS as if it's a thing. It's not a thing. It is an organization that has moved through time, and it is different now than it was. And sure, can the seeds of destruction be planted in an organization from its founding? Yes. But can they come in from the outside? Yes. And so I'm just not going to throw, like like when we say, and you're not trying to be sloppy, but this is my concern with the argument, right? Because I think this is kind of the way the argument goes. You know, it's their fault. Well, which ones? Because the guy who founded this thing, I'm just impressed with this guy. He got like nothing out of it. <laughs> he just died. In a, not in obscurity, but without seeing the success that would come. And, uh, you know, was he all good? No, I don't think he, he was from what I'm recalling from the book. But but uh, he gave his life to protect people and he died for it. Like It's like, how can you, how can you not be inspired by that and that's the guy who starts the thing is you know the poor knights of the temple and all it is is we're, we're the poor knights who are at the temple down jerusalem with us you know and and like to say that somehow you know to evoke them is there everything that came after them i, I get it sometimes you get uh branded mm, uh, with uh implications heaven help us the swastika it should not ever be printed again um i bet you it does get printed within uh, I mean clearly the neo nazis are going to print it but I bet you within uh within the next 50 to 100 years we're ignorant enough that it's just happening. I mean there already are people that are that ignorant of World War II. And and so I mean lots of them. So it, it whatever, you know. Uh but but we don't have to be ignorant of it. These knights of the temple were just that. They were just guys helping out. And uh so uh I just I just don't want to blame them. Even though the organization that was effectively a bank by the time it was destroyed, um, certainly, you you want me to? You think I'm going to sit here and defend a, a 400 year old medieval bank in in its uh, hostile takeover by the nobility <laughs> to get the money? You know, I no, I'm not going to. Def- I don't care, right? But that's not where they came from. That's not what they were, and I don't want to be them. But the idea is inspirational. I think. And you can disagree with me. That's cool, too. Speaking of inspirational, can I tangent here for just a moment? I'm going to show off. I was so grateful that I was given—I can't even really show it to you. I'll tell you first. I had uh, an age event recently. Uh, I, I ceased to be uh, under the mean, if you read about it. And I became over the mean, if you want to average the mean, see what I did there for, uh, for human existence as a male— Under gods, fallen, and our fault, creation. And uh, uh, with all that happening, that then brought about the ritual expression of of gift-giving, which is this alien thing. I don't understand it, but the alien species that lives around me, called humans, they all do this thing where on the day that they are brought from being alive but really in wet and ingested to being alive and breathing on their own, uh, they then remember that day by eating sugar and wheat and eggs um, and uh, mixed up really well, a lot, with more sugar, and then then giving gifts. So we didn't do the first part, although I did get a marvelous uh, dinner of... uh, what was it? it? was like a white American cheese fondue with pork rinds and steak to dip in it. Oh, that was very nice. Um, and uh, and then I was given a surprise. Uh, some of us, the chill, were, were kind enough to to throw me some t shirts. Uh, my my beloved, I let a few of them know, or one of them know that I was getting low. They were wearing thin, and that also, um, I, I've taken a hankerin' recently to my my patriotism. Uh, and so I, I got these great shirts and I can, I can't, i hold on. I can show you here. It's just one of them. This one's from Ranger up, which Ranger up, a great place. Um, you can see, I'm just going to stand up here for second. I love it. Red overall American flag, uh, as a design, but you've got muskets and we, the people, where is it right there? We, the people here on the side. Um, so I, uh, I got like, seven of these ranger up is a organization that i believe does work to support vets most of the shirts i got were from those who support vets it was inspiring to me and i continue to find a a newfound i don't know uh childhood joy in my patriotism you know i i didn't think about it A ton until a couple of years ago and then more and more I've thought about it I don't like the political climate of what you get on the internet and on TV So that's not really even what I'm talking about Uh, I'm just talking about loving the fact that I live in this country. It's not about making America great again It's about the fact that America is just not really a bad place. It's a pretty good place It, it, It could just stay this good for a long time And I think most of us would be pretty stoked about that compared to some other options that have been out there in history So I love that and I want to retain that. And I love that it was given to me. And so even if it's going to be stolen from me by some totalitarian Googleplex regime that has who knows what and who knows why and we all die and blah, blah, blah. And son, uh, what is her name? Cortez and blah, blah, blah. And fire and, and Congress. Okay, fine. That's fine. I'm going to go down loving the fact that I was born in Portland, Oregon, that I grew up in Southern California that I went to college on the West Coast in the Bay Area, that I was theologically trained in the great heartland of the Midwest, that I've been to Texas, I've been to Florida, and I've served in Philadelphia. I've lived in North Dakota, and this country is awesome. So I'm thankful for those of you who got me the shirts. And I'm proud to wear them. I do not want to mingle my theology with my patriotism. I have no intention of doing that. But I am going to be thankful with my theology for the patriotism that gives me the freedom to do it. And I'm not going to hide that because you're afraid I might accidentally lead someone into thinking America's an okay place. Even as I'll say, you know where this don't belong? Right here? I'll say it right now. It doesn't belong in your sanctuary. never did. Shouldn't be there. Don't take it out. Don't you dare (laughs) have a long, like, 5 to 15-year conversation about it. But eventually, it doesn't belong there. So, uh, and it's actually degrading to it, too, really, if you think about it. So, anyway, different thing. Inspiration. Thank you. Back on the Templars. Why can't we have the Templars be inspiration? I mean, we take inspiration from George Washington. How good was that guy? Christian? You think so? How much you read? Thomas Jefferson? Really? Ben Franklin? Wow. I mean, dude was clever, quick, wise-ish. So, I'm okay as a Christian saying those are my founding fathers and as bad a people as they could be in various arenas of life, like unto all us poor miserable sinners, they left behind this idea of self-governance. Which, while not mandated by God as a form of uh, Fourth Commandment rule on the earth, nor monarchy being either, both being allowable, I think, by and large, leaving that behind for us now, I just don't see anything in Christianity that would say, don't hold on to that and use it. Don't love that for what it is. I see Christianity saying, wherever you are, hold on to it and love it. In the city that you dwell in, there you will find your good. Okay, well, in the city that I dwell in, these here United States... I'll find my good in being a good citizen here. What does that mean? It means know my constitution and defend it. Oh, what if I don't like the constitution? Well, then Paul's pretty clear that you have the right to get your freedom. Move. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's what the country is. You could try to change the country too. Um, you could, you know. Well, then then you don't need me to encourage you to get in politics. You're already doing it, whether you know it or not. Maybe you're just doing it for them when they tell you to. Think about that. Oh, ouch. So, Templars templars is it that bad to be inspired by deceived men who were tricked into fighting an unjust war with their faith used against them to do it who get there still don't know they're deceived and give their impoverished remaining grovelly dirty lives to ushering other faithful deceived to the place where Jesus died because they do, in fact, believe in Jesus. Yeah, there's all sorts of wrong all over all of that. How great's your life? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Was I talking to, to the one person that is so clean? So then what's the deal, right? These guys we can learn from. And that's where I'm at. And I'm not, this is not Josh's, not the one who set me off on this. I'm just, it, these guys we can learn from. You know? I, yeah, We can learn from all of them. And if we don't, well, that's when you like end up having swastikas come back. And it's like, no. <laughs> so I love this conversation just because we're actually having to know who they are and not believe in some brand. Uh, there are two competing. And again, if we have to have a brand, I'm going to vote for the one that goes back in time via you know cognitive machines to stop like the assassins from running the pirate ships and stuff like that's a far better brand. Sure. Um, and that's what I meant then when I said it in the first place. Right. <laughs> oh goodness Uh, the Jedi chimes in as well he says really such a night order has to ask what is the indulgence of today Kronos is one for sure but what are we paying for salvation to that isn't Jesus and how can a nightly order reorder that oh yeah yeah, those are good questions Kronos for sure time has a lot to do with time and our use of the time and making the best use of the time and is the best use of time the most productive or is it is there a better thing than production Uh, You know, those questions. Yeah. What it also would require is, I don't know. I do know. Hang tight. I got to think it through more still, but I'm with you. Dustin says this. He says, why are people fearful to do that here in the U.S.? Why give up your own nation? Um, Now, I'm not sure the, the context of that one as much, so I can't, I can't answer that one unfortunately i'm going to move on to michael he says i've often thought about starting a men's group just for this purpose oh again so um men forming right and getting together and being a group of men as men no ladies we love you but once here this place you can't put a doily i'm sorry it's just no doilies Thank you, oh Bob! Don't put a doily. What are you doing? You know, like that. Um, I've often, he says, thought about starting a men's group. I only think the catch only. I think the only catch is overcoming the cultural taboo of saying there is a difference between men and women. It's so much beyond taboo at this point. It's it's, it's vitriolic religion. So just be ready. Even amongst the most faithful and pious of you Lutheran ladies out there, I've continued to find this. It is amazing to me how the men say let's go throw axes at a wall and the ladies say why can't we come ladies at church you're everywhere already you're already running most of it whether you know it or not your husband just doesn't talk and that's not good but it is what it is and um so, yeah, a men's group. That's the, that's the trick because I've done this. I'm doing it right now. It's like, oh, we need a place just men, only men. And the women can't go. And, like, they go, why not? And then I say, well, you should realize this is the only place you're saying why not. And then, why not? <laughs> right. No, me too. It's like, Ugh. really? You know, are you going to go there? Really? Like, is that is that with cis or can guys, like, be guys? I'll tell you this. I know this for a fact, and you can hate me for believing it. All facts are believed. You know that, right? So, uh, you know, I know this for a fact, and you can hate me for believing it. It's my own personal experience, eyewitness testimony. Men speak differently when women are there. I know, I just let them know. I know, I let them know. They're not going to believe me, so don't worry about it. (laughs) <laughs> but it's true. And, and if you come, it's not that it's bad when you're not there. We're not like, I mean, sometimes we cuss like sailors, but mo- mostly it's not like it's evil talk. It's just not girl talk. And it has everything to do with this thing called chivalry that's built into us, whether we like it or not. And, and it, is, it goes like this. A, a man will not disagree with a woman who is not his wife or daughter in public. Generally. He won't do it. Watch, test me on that one. Try it. A man will not disagree with a woman in public who is not his wife or daughter or mother, rarely. But mom would have to be pushing it today, right? So so insert that into governance and you have silent men. And you have a church without men doing anything. And then men say, can we go throw axes? You're like, can we come? (laughs) Ladies. Ladies. Start a ladies group. So yeah, I I completely agree. And that is, it is, uh, Michael, it is... You just have to go out there, and then someone's going to hate you. They're going to get mad at you. They're going to call you all sorts of names for it. You know? And you're just like, I just, I just wanted to have a cigar and like not have to worry about offending somebody for a little while. <laughs> no, because guys don't want to offend ladies. We don't. We, we, we care about you. And we realize we talk funny sometimes and don't make sense and say stuff, and like you think it's a certain thing, and we're like, oh, I didn't mean that. So like, so like we need a space where we can just like not have to worry about that for the moment because if guys are going to get in a fight, they're just going to fight. <laughs> You no, know, and that, and that can be refreshing, even if it's like with paintball guns and stuff. So you know, let's move on. SM Chill. No, let's not move on. I sat on my vicarage. I have mentioned vicarage twice in this show. That is just gross. Um, I have on my vicarage uh, sat in my living room with my newborn child, either on the way or about to be on the way, firstborn, and my my father. And remember a conversation in which I tried to say, Dad, you know, this man and woman thing, and I use the phrase man and woman in Christ, this man and woman in Christ thing is bigger than you think it is, and you're advocating, you know, women lectors and even women pastors and all this other stuff, and and you, I've been growing up kind of watching this move, and I see where this is going, and we're going to have a really different view of marriage here in a little while by the way this is this is 2005 by the way and he's he said no maybe maybe that's there's something like that coming but i just don't see it 2008 2011 no how fast did it change how fast did it change so i in in, in that time now i'm what 16 years a past or something like that no it's more than that now i don't remember Oh, doesn't matter, 15, 14. Um, more than that. And all that time, um, the change in this fight has been stunning in that it's gotten worse constantly. With the, uh, the Obama rainbow White House, there was an immediate blowback that I was I welcomed. so I didn't any longer have to say, this is going to be bigger than just man and woman. <laughs> and, and just have people stare at me like I'm Cassandra because that's usually what you feel like when you're talking about this and, and if you don't know who Cassandra is well see that's kind of the point I guess maybe so, so I've watched it move from where I, I was Cassandra to now I talk about it people like oh yeah marriage marriage is important marriage marriage man and woman marriage and yet same culture hey men's group why hey, the young men need to be acolytes, not the girls. Why? What? Are you Are you a bigot? Do you hate women? And even if people aren't saying that, they're thinking it, they're feeling it, it's in the water. So, So any effort that you have to try to start a men's group is going to run into this challenge. And the only answer, men, is to be men and not whine and run away from your wife when she gets upset with you. So we all got to put these pants on, I think. I'm armed with you. I'm in the same boat and I'm out of coffee. So we're going to have to give up on that and drink my water away. But you want to start a men's group? Yes, please understand. It's not only necessary. It is a battle and the battle's going to hurt. And there's going to be people who fully misunderstand that what you want is good men and good women who love Jesus living in happy marriages. <laughs> By and large, dealing with their sin through the forgiveness of it together and long-suffering with each other as they wait for his return. But if you're going to do that, then men and women have to be men and women. The Bible is pretty clear on this on a lot of issues, but for some reason, as much as we've cognitively realized there's a battle, we have not primally in our gut and emotion adopted The mindset the Bible would advise us to on the matter. And maybe that has to do with the fact that the primary mindset is running more or less hand in glove with the curse itself and what God says we will do to each other. Uh, So, you know, there is that, but there's no reason why Christians have to be deceived by that unless they really want to be. And I think that was a diatribe. Yes, but it is over now. Um, uh, Jedi Knight, I'm going to jump past you to Jonathan Clay here. He says, uh, Did you ever see a documentary called The Baby War about the history of birth control in the church and in the U.S.? I heard you mention a documentary like a previous on a previous SM chill. There's a number of them. There's one called The Pill, which is really worth watching. Um, And uh, the one. I can't think of that other one that I I was mentioning before you have the demographic bomb and the demographic winter, both of which I find pretty compelling. Although I've heard people criticize them and I'm not one to know the source material. So, so I can't say, um, but again, uh, the one on the pill, uh, is pretty good. And while we're doing documentaries divided a movie about youth groups, really worth checking out as well. And already gone. Of course, if you haven't seen that one worth checking out, um, I think I kept it silent. Yeah, <clears throat> It's not a competition, but Dalism says Wolfmuller Mueller doesn't carry on as much of a conversation with the commentators. That's right, because he's all about himself. Well, I'm about the peoples, because I'm a despot. No, I'm not. I am a—no, it's not despot. I want to use a different word. <laughs> what, you know, what is it when you—like, um like in political movement, you are—you um, rally the people. It's what everyone said Trump was. I can't think of it now. Like, you got all the people following you, but you're... All, it's not oligarch. That's lots of people. Ah, for pity's sakes. Anyway. I want to be your publican. That's not what it is. But like that. Uh, Zepson says this. He says, Luke 12 says that anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Does that mean repentance from it is impossible and anyone who does this is doomed to hell no matter what? Hey, us the chill out there in the comment land. If you can find one of the, like, five videos I've done on this question in the past and put it in the comments, that would be awesome. We could then link it or it could be in the comments when people watch. It'll show up later and they can find that because I've done this question at length and probably better than I'm going to be able to do it here. Um... Uh, I'm not going to take us to Luke 12.10 at this moment again, because I've done that at length in other videos, but I'm going to say succinctly, I hope, uh, no, it does not mean repentance is impossible. It means that when you're an unbeliever, you are not going to believe again on your own. You are back where you have no new man, no willpower that's redeemed and sanctified left. And so, having done that, having become an unbeliever— Possibly through saying things like, I'm an unbeliever. I don't believe in Jesus, right? Uh, Having gotten to that point, or or maybe it's saying things like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I also need this, (laughs) right? Having gotten to that point, um, it doesn't mean that you can't hear of the resurrection of Jesus again and that the Holy Spirit of God may not enliven you to saving faith in that truth. That's what he does. That's the short answer to it. Now, how you get into it in the text and realize that the sin against the Holy Spirit is just talking about unbelief, that's a much more detailed and complicated thing to get into. Um, Again, there are other videos for that, but hopefully I gave you the answer that you really need, which is just to know that no, 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 no. The sin against the Holy Spirit is the goats, and the not sin against the Holy Spirit saved, uh, who didn't do anything on their own, they just got saved, uh, is... uh, is the sheep. The sheep didn't do anything and the goats did stuff. The goats think they did stuff and should get paid. They don't. The sheep think they didn't do stuff and shouldn't get paid. And look, they actually did stuff too. How'd that happen? It's grace. That's how. So, Yeah. Uh, On face masks, fear of neighbor, that kind of stuff. Question from Jonathan. He says, please address the requirements to wear face masks and a Christian's conscience, which otherwise attempts not to spread lies or encourage fear. Mm. Uh, Well, yeah, you don't have a choice on this one. Uh, As much as that would, you know, it'd be nice to say my conscience realizes people are afraid, so I'm not going to wear a mask. That's not really how conscience works, right? You're, you're, You're not conscious bound by something that says wearing a mask is scary in the Bible. It doesn't say that, right? Your conscience needs to be bound by what the Bible says, do not by what, it's, by what it doesn't say. Don't do right. Um, don't be a Campbell light about stuff. Um, and look it up. Uh, so <laughs> Google's right there. You're watching on TV on the internet, right? Look it up. Campbell light. Um, Bah, 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 bah. So is a Christian bound by the fourth commandment to personally change love thy neighbor into fear thy neighbor and encourage others to do the same? No, 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 Jonathan. I think I think you're over the top there. Um, you're not doing the changing. The fear is being done, uh, maybe by the government. <clears throat> I'd say it's more being done by monopolies of media agenda in order to gain financial power and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the change in the culture, being what it is, you are not allowed to tell the authority of order that's out there. That it's wrong just cause. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you, you can. You're an American. You can tell it it's wrong just cause. Tell it it's wrong just cause. Don't wear your mask. Say what you're saying. And then the consequences are going to be what they are. And fine. As long as you can, as you can own those consequences and you want to stake your life on, masks make people afraid. And my conscience is tied to this. Go for it. Uh. Uh, I'm I'm with you on, there's a point where you need to do this, but it's it's not over how we have to wear masks. I think the masks are evil. I think they're diabolical, really. I mean, the devil wants us not to see each other. <laughs> it's just what it is. Uh, they're meant to keep us apart, and division is always his his tactic. So I'm not saying if you put on a mask, you're from the devil. I wear one when I go, and I, I, it's got a Captain America star on it. I try to be friendly and smile with my eyes as much as I can and you know all that, but it it is what it is. Um, uh, and I'm going to read further in your thing, but at the end of the day, the higher authority that is here uh, has said to do this, and you're going to cause just as much fear by not doing it as you are by doing it. So you're not helping anybody. Uh, you're just trying to get your way and using the theology to do it, is what I would say. I'll keep going, though. I'll keep going. I'm still your friend. Uh, if we get, if we grant that the higher authorities cannot redefine marriage, which you know, is true, how can we accept their command to redefine the lawfulness of breathing air? <laughs> That's good. I love it. You're you're so angry, but it, you're, it's it's exciting though. It just, I think it would help if you if you if you breathed. Um, in the spirit of Orwell's Big Brother, yeah, I see all that. I agree with you on all this stuff. When an authority declares that life is death. Or health, a sickness, disease, Well, what does a Christian owe him? Yeah, no, we do, we do not owe them our behavior. And uh, and if, if you are conscious bound to not wear a mask, because you think that's going to make people not afraid, woe be it to me to hold you back from from not wearing the mask. But I will tell you, I think you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I'll defend your right to think that, but I, I do think it's wrong. Uh, I do not think it is Orwellian that in a time of... Um, actual pandemic epidemic that the authorities that be would tell us to do more or less what we're doing now. I think it makes a great deal of sense or did sort of, kind of, with all sorts of little wrinkles and money making along the way. But it's not as though we really want pandemics of, say, Ebola to be able to just run rampant through us. And what it certainly has done is exposed the U.S. does not have the hygiene culture that, say, South Korea does. So, why all our dentists, I mean, do you know this? I just know this because it's here. You know, all our dentists all over the country right now are rushing to make up this like acid death fog. It's awesome. It kills viruses and bacteria at the same time and it's really cheap to make and it doesn't hurt humans. What is this thing? Ask your local dentist. And where did it come from? They've been using it in South Korea for a good long many years now. Why is it not here? Because we're not a hygiene-conscious culture, and they are. They live near other cultures that are less hygiene-conscious, and so they realize open borders kind of brings germs, right? And and so um, they have a lot of practices that are beginning to be adopted. So look to South Korea, not only in terms of the way they handled this, the way they came through this. You can see how they're already basically up and running again. I'm not Again, I could be mistaken, but it, it, when I was looking at it, they are way ahead of the curve. Um, it hit them far less difficult, and all the, the, the resources say, because they they practice this stuff. If people are sick in their culture, they wear a mask when they go out. It's not that you wear a mask to not get sick. They wear a mask to not get other people sick, and everyone there knows that, and they do it, and it's just assumed part of their culture. We don't have that. Yeah, we don't have that. And I've, as a pastor, I've been there and watched the Sunday school kid get dropped off, and he's sweating. That kid's got a fever, and he's snodding and he he grabbed me. Now I'm gonna shake your hand. Oh. so So, like, I don't think it's bad that we're being put through this. And, and I think it's good that the government as an authority in, a, in an emergency would say, okay, we're going to try to say do the right thing. Does that mean the government said do the right thing? No, that's not an argument for that. But I, I think to call this Orwellian, what's Orwellian is Google, not Illinois. Pritzker, all I can do is talk about where I am. My governor is so popular— Look at this. Look at this. Oh, I can't stand how I do that. I touched my mustache. My governor is so popular. He doesn't just have like, like he doesn't even have anybody running against him yet. The, the election campaign is not set up yet. There are no signs out yet. There are signs with his name out yet now in my neck of the woods. And they don't say, you know, go Pritzker. They say Pritzker and then they say another word that <laughs> I'm not going to say. It's not that bad. It, I could say it and get away with it, but I'm not going to uh, out of sensitivity, but it says that. So he, he's he's so loved for his decision making that the sheriffs that do his bidding in theory aren't listening to him and people are campaigning against him without having anybody to campaign against him already. This is how marvelously un-Orwellian this is because if this was Orwellian, that would not be the case. It would be more like the people in North Korea we were just talking about a few minutes ago. So let's just not overdo it, right? I get it. Our freedoms are gonna go away. That's my read. You got hundred years? Not even that. You got fifteen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that better than fifteen. My lifetime, I I don't know. So I'll put my I'll put my death right now. Twenty-five years from now, sixty-five. Uh, we'll, we'll, 35 years now. Seventy-five. No. 75? Huh? Um seventy-seven <clears throat> uh that would put us at uh twenty-five. Why can't I do the math in my head? Thirty-five, thirty-five, fifty, fifty-five. I did this the other day, nineteen uh twenty fifty-five. A red letter date in history, if I'm not mistaken. Um no, I am mistaken on that one. Uh I'm gonna get it. It'll come back. Give me a 2nd 2055. Freedom of speech, USA. That's the, the pan of my life. I might not die at 77 or 75, whatever. But like that's that's like the trajectory, right? Do I die with an American flag on my lawn? Can I? Isn't it weird? I'm 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 moving I'm buying a home. Isn't it isn't it weird I'm thinking about I'd like to put up an American flag. But might I turn off some of my neighbors by doing that? Most, that's an odd thing, isn't it? And then, um, yeah. Anyway. So I just don't think we're in Orwellian territory yet. But I, I, I do think it could come. I think you're seeing the right on the wall. So my point is don't overreact to it. Don't, don't cry wolf before it's a wolf. Because then people won't listen. Be crazy, but be wise. Uh, must a Christian participate in the world's abusive language? No. So call it what you think it is. But that's different than wearing a mask. Uh, did not Pilate sacrifice the truth... <laughs> I love your You got a lot of poetry. It's a great, great amount of poetry. Did not Pilate sacrifice the truth before him in the interest of saving lives from a riot? Uh, Maybe. Uh, Who knows why Pilate? I think he was just, he was just a coward. Uh, Jesus said he had uh, the lesser sin than the instigator. It's true, because he's just a coward. Well and good. Uh, But does the Christian life consist in sinning less than the other guy? No, of course not. And absolutely not. Uh, Is that the best commentary the church has to offer? the world at this time? I, I, I hope not. I hope that's not what you've heard from me. Uh, can we do better than that? It's an honest question, not merely rhetorical. I really want to know urgently. Can we do better than what? Wearing masks? I mean, can we do better than stopping the divine service just because they said to without any proof for months? Probably. But no, we couldn't. We didn't. That's the state we're at. Look, the temperature's been taken. Christianity, wake up. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. We've got a little time left here in the States. We can use it for good or we can use it for ill. But if you keep sitting on your haunches thinking that the volleyball tournament is the thing that matters, well, it's just going to go away. <laughs> you know, it's just going to go away, along with marriage and other stuff. Your kids, too, probably. They'll be taken from you and run by the government so that you can go to the home and turn into glue eventually. I, I, don't, I don't know what it'll really look like. It's been those things in the past, other places in history. I don't think it's going to get like Mad Maxi unless someone drops a really big bomb. But I'm just not going to pretend. That the algorithm matrix, media mind, control of the Taki that's Orwell. USA, USA's a pawn in Orwell's bigger scheme. Google's going to run the world. It may not be Google. Alphabet, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Robots, I don't, it doesn't matter. Aliens, I don't care. King Saul, I don't care. My point is, I'm not taking any of it for granted. I love my Ten Amendment rights and beyond, most of them, not the taxes one. <clears throat> and uh, I-, I love that, but I am not going to confuse it with with the other kingdom, not for even a moment. So I don't think you're doing that quite, but patience, Kimosabi, right? Uh, or what is it? Slow down, Grasshopper? Something like that? I don't know. That wasn't very good. Uh, Speaking of difficult questions, Josh says this. I have a quick question about same-sex attraction. Really? No, you don't. (laughs) I love you, man. No, you don't. You do not have a quick question about homosexuality. (laughs) Nobody has a quick question about that. So, we have a a complicated question about same-sex attraction and relationships in the Catholic Church. Big C, so you're talking the Romans. Well, I'm I'm not one. Uh, In which I entered after leaving both evangelical churches and atheism, I was told that although same-sex attraction itself is not sinful, that homosexual acts are considered mortal sin— is it the same in Lutheranism, why we're why not? Uh, no, we don't. We don't even pretend to diagnose and split hairs between which sins are damning and which are not. We recognize that the moment you think you're going to save yourself by what you do, you're damned. And, I mean, really. And you ultimately, if that's really what you believe. You're going to die on that hill on judgment day. Well, you're going to die on that hill on judgment day. And then if you've got some sin and you hate it because it's sin, it's evil, but you believe Jesus, you know, dealt with it. Well, then that's that's covered by the blood of Jesus, and that would go for both the intellectual. The emotional and the physical sins which which take place in you as a person. To, to think that somehow the emotional sin isn't really sin, but the physical sin. Well, that's really sin. I mean, how Gnostic you got to be? Yeah. Or is it anti-Gnostic? I think it's both. Platonic at least. So, uh, all lust is damnable. And ladies, you lust after the guy's persona and behavior more than his body. But, all lust is damnable. And if you act on it, it hurts people. That's what Lutherans think. We believe that there's forgiveness for all of it. And because of that, the damnable within... For which I continue to receive sustenance in the body of my Lord Jesus Christ. And for me, it is not the one you confess, let the reader understand. Though my own heterosexual version of it. In the freedom of knowing, it's damnable. I don't want to act on it. It's gone. It's free. It's not there. It's there, but it's not. It's Christ's now. He owns this. That doesn't mean I don't fight it, I don't feel it, but it does mean that I'm going to say, I'm not going to act on it, not because I'm going to get something out of not acting on it. I'm going to act on it because it's wrong. What I want is wrong. I am wrong. Lutherans say that. I am a poor, miserable sinner. Roman Catholics don't really say that. It's always been Article 2. I mean, we say Article 4, justification, sins or falls, all that kind of stuff, but really it's Article 2, original sin. And really, that's Article 18, election. But those are so complicated, as if justification is so clean. <laughs> Jeez, it is, actually. That's the point. But, <laughs> see what I did there? Oh, So, yeah. Um, no, it's not the same as us. Why not? Um, because you are damned for being who you are, born of Adam, and you are saved in Jesus Christ. And all of you, including the damnable part, is, is saved. So, uh, since we have died to sin, let us no longer act on it at least with impunity, yeah? So, glad you talked to Pastor Green of Emmanuel, Lutheran Church, Trinity, Lutheran Church, Cincinnati. That is awesome. I'm going to cough away from the microphone. Hold on. <coughs> I'm going to get um, a drink of water away from the microphone. Hold on. Sometimes I feel like I'm in an echo chamber all by myself, and then look at the comments, I'm like, and no one's talked for a while. It's 88 still watching, but I don't know. Are they even aware so mother church uh, lynn says this uh, though listening to different lutheran pastors preach online these days through that not though through listening to them i hear concepts that are new to me and wonder how biblical lutheran they are for example the idea of mother church is this a true teaching to what extent can we christians consider the church as our mother how does it fit in with the more familiar teaching of the church being the body of christ thank you for your past answers and may the lord bless you and your work Um, just on the first part about hearing new concepts to you and wondering, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be rich if I had a penny every time someone told me this, but it's been told to me enough times. It's like, I kind of feel bad about it, you know, which is, uh, Hey pastor, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, but I've been a Lutheran for 70 odd years, you know, 30 odd years, 40 odd years. I've never heard any of it. I mean, I've, I've had that happen too many times. And it's weird. You're like, I think that was a i com- com- <laughs> It's not really sure what to do with it, right? So, but it is true. Just to know this, um, every pastor, the best pastors got blind spots and will not give you the full counsel of God. And when another pastor comes and teaches you, and he is faithful, he will give you a part of the counsel of God the other pastor did not. Not because he didn't believe it. He just wasn't talking about that part right then, right? Or it wasn't the way he processed or understood or remembered it uh, and confessed it. So with that said, uh, Mother Church, is it biblical? Yeah, absolutely. Is it allowable? Yes. Biblical, almost maybe, could be. how is it tied to the body of Christ? Doesn't. And that's where, like, I remember, golly, the life. I remember Sonoma State University in Ronaire Park, north central California, an hour north of San Francisco. I worked at a restaurant there, and I rode my skateboard around, and I would uh, go to movies by myself because I was a loser. <laughs> and uh, uh, But it was a great little town in um, Santa Rosa, not Roner Park. Santa Rosa where I lived, just north of Ronaire Park. And uh, there was like this little bookstore on the main drag that was owned by the Eastern Orthodox. And on like Thursday nights or something, I I saw a sign and you know, it said free cappuccino. <laughs> so so I went to this thing and you know it's it's like this Eastern Orthodox lecture and it's sort of an inquiry outreach thing and it was it was clever what they were doing like good good on them for what they were doing. It was this older gentleman, you know, father, and he he was teaching and. It was interesting. I'm I'm a pretty active Christian by this point in my life. I'm not a Lutheran, not trained at all, but I'm a pretty active Christian. I care, right? And and I remember your question it connects to this. I remember him talking about the body of Christ and drawing this figure on the on the board of like the shape of a body. I'm out. I could to do it here real fast. Rah, like he oh his was way better than this. Hold on. You're going to love this. What is this thing? Here we go. Can we do that? Oh, can you see it? There it is. Body. Um he uh he, <laughs> he just something like that. He says, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, we're all here. We're all inside the body of Christ. So he's just kind of saying like that. And then, and he stopped and he looked at us and he said, so now if we're all the body of Christ, who is the head? And there was this, um, I, there's more to this story, I should say. So you go into this thing and it's like this welcome event, right? And they want you to join. They want you to be involved. It's their outreach. And they got these cappuccinos being made by these like 17 year old Eastern Orthodox ladies. And I'm like a, you know, A 19-year-old guy. I'm like, oh, look, there's like three, you know, conservatively dressed, cult-like, but young and beautiful maidens bringing me coffee. This is overwhelming. Oh, and who are these three other men all around their age, all with facial hair, glaring at me? (laughs) What have I stepped into? And, so and I'm listening. I'm listening to the uh, uh, the guy talk, and he asked this question about the body of Christ. And, and the guy with the biggest beard, who he had to be my age, like 19, you know, he stands up, raises his hand. He's so excited. You know, it's like it's like it's like me in first grade. I was totally that in first grade. <laughs> call me, call me. I know the answer. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure you hated me. I'm sure whoever you were, you hated me, and you had every right to do so. Um, <clears throat> so he 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 does that, and he he shouts out, and his answer is Mary. And that's the moment when I was like, I'm never coming back. <laughs> I'm never going east, ever. And maybe that's a harsh judgment on them, that moment. But that kind of summed up a lot of it, I think. I don't know, you can ask Whedon about it any time. Uh, but, but that was my, my, my introduction to this idea that, that the head of the body of Christ is Mary. How is the head of the body of Christ not Jesus. Oh, because he's all of us? What? Do you, you know what the word head means in the Bible? So, so anyway, right? So, so that's a whole different thing. But let's just come back to, I don't want to be against the idea of the mother church because it is a good image, if not biblical. And one could make the case it's biblical. How biblical? Jesus on the cross giving his mother to John, John receiving his mother. There is, it's just dripping with symbolism in which Mary is the church and John is the apostolic band in their preaching. And then from their preaching into the church her right you have life and so that that image of her uh gets picked up on then even by john in in revelation where she is sort of like a 12 starred crowned queen out of heaven you know escaping from the dragon giving birth to the child he dies he rises he ascends to heaven she remains but he protects her and all this stuff right like that's the mother church and uh, biblically now, what have Lutherans done with this? Let's just start with when Luther and the Reformation happened, nobody threw out Mary's perpetual virginity, at least not right away. And uh, nobody threw out devotion to Mary in terms of even even adoration, but not like worship. You really have to distinguish that. But in just considering her a higher saint than the others. And I'm not, I'm not advocating we do this now. I'm just saying, just no. Like, they didn't. They didn't walk away from Mary much at all because Mary wasn't what she is now either. Most of what you think of in Marianism comes from like late 1800s. Council of Trent II, one. I can't remember. Any, who, who knows, right? You know, the, Chemnitz, God bless the man, devoted his life to the council. It was Vatican I, Is Vatican I. Anyway. Mary got big in Vatican I. Um, So they didn't have any of this kickback. Like, why would you think, you know, Mary's worse than any of the other saints? Um, And they certainly would talk about her as an image of the mother, the mother church. And then to see the church as your mother. It's not so much that Mary's your mother. It's that the church that is all people in Christ, your experience with this church is that of a child with its mother. That is when the church is the church. Uh, uh, when it's just an institution, you're, you know, you're in the hands of men. <laughs> um, but when it is the gathering around the word and sacraments of Christ, overseen by one who confesses and preaches it truly, like it's, uh, it's the church. It's the real thing. Uh, so that church, as your mother, suckles you, cares for you, raises you, encourages you, picks you up when you fall down, sends you back out again out of the plague room one more time, bandages your bloody knees, deals with you when you're sick, watches you go off and make mistakes and come back and loves you anyway. That is who Christianity in Jesus is. And if we could believe or or would believe, we are free to believe that our gathering should be seen as that kind of place. And if it's not, it's because not only do we not really love the idea of Mother Church in America, we don't love the idea of Mother Um. I'm just going to say Mother's Day <clears throat> is the day when we all are supposed to say thank you to the people who had babies but talk about how bad it is at having babies and how they don't want more of them. And, you know, don't tell me that we think highly of the vocation. We don't. It's just like, that, uh, just like the man and woman thing, right? The reason we don't think highly of it is the man and woman thing. We would think more highly of it if we thought women was different than men and realize that motherhood was that like divine difference. I mean, the pagans get it. The pagans emphasize the fertility all the heckaback. And <laughs> We're sitting here feeding off the drags of, of modernistic swine and we can't unlock ourselves from the culture because we we're still watching MTV. And you know, ultimately, we're still letting them tell us what to think. All right. So where would we be without clocks? Speaking of telling us what to think. Have I been crazy enough for you this morning? I hope so. Uh, I heard you comment in Mad Christian and a recent Saturday Chill about the clock and how it controls our lives. Yes, it's a a vigorous and powerful tool. Uh, Isn't it interesting that clocks were invented to tell the various religions when their special events begin, which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm not against, like, the idea, uh, on principle, at least. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, Christians wanted a way to predict Lent and Easter. Cool. Uh, the Jews needed to know when to celebrate Passover. Cool. Uh, when exactly is... I don't think they needed a clock to celebrate Passover. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call bluff on that one. Nope, nope, No. nope. No. The Jews were celebrating Passover long before clocks. And they still, I don't think, rely on the Western tradition to count it, because there's some issues there, maybe. Right? So, uh, let's, let's back it up to clocks were invented to tell us when the times began in the town with the clock tower and the chimes let's let's stick with that one i'll, I'll go with you on that one and now the invention has taken over our lives yes how would we conduct our days without a clock to tell us what to do next alan yeah i don't know i do know but it wouldn't really fit and that's the problem so i don't know uh what, what we got 10 years in 10 years i, I want to <clears throat> kickstart a campaign with all of you supporting me that you're gonna pay for a month of my life just bear with me here. Bear with me. It's 10 years away. we got a long time. And so, like, you're going you're gonna to pay for a month of my life so that the church can pay someone else to preach for a month. And then I am going to live without a clock. And I'll do whatever it takes to get clocks out of my life for one month. And then I'm going to write about it. We'll talk about it. We'll come back and be like, <laughs> I'll stare at y'all. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll ever do that. But I, I think I'm not afraid of that idea. It inspires me, Alan, because I don't think it's as hard as you think it would be. I think the sun is a marvelous thing. And we underestimate its power. Um, Even as we, you know, work so hard to protect ourselves against it, I just have a feeling that you're going to wake up when it's light and you're going to go to bed when it's dark. And that if you got to meet someone, morning, mid-morning, noon, afternoon, -afternoon, mid-afternoon, late-afternoon, evening... Are all pretty sun-tellable, Yeah. Um, and so, just on that one, I just, I, I and then I, what I wonder about why it inspires me is because I think about what if that was the thing I had to look at to know what time it was? I just looked outside or I had to step outside. What time is it? I don't know. I gotta go outside. You know, just being outside is a good thing. <laughs> it's like, it like ups your, uh, your lifespan. Honestly, you, you go Google that one, right? Uh, simply going outside every day is straight up healthy. And so, like, that alone would be such a marvelous thing. And do you have to, like, get rid of clocks to step outside every day? No. But in my little, like, inspiration world, I imagine a life in which I just went outside regularly to tell what time it was. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Um, how would we do it? I don't know. That's what a 31-day experiment... Someone else wants to do it and has the money to do it. They should do it. Uh, that's what a 31-day experiment would, would tell you. you. You could write a best-selling book on that, by the way. You really could. <clears throat> uh, just 31 days without the clock. And, and it had to be a good book, you know, ghost or something, right? But, um, and So I'm trying to figure out, uh, Alan, how to kind of try to do that here now. I mean, I've got this huge clock right there, and it's never going to go away. It says, Saturday... Like my clock tells me the day <laughs> that's how how much i need it uh my clock tells me the day it says saturday it says morning lovely clock morning 10:13 a.m. may and my eyes are so bad but i believe it's the 23rd 2000 and i uh, can't even see it 20 um that's not going to go away i'm not, i'm not going to i mean i would do the 31 day thing if you guys want to raise the money and make it happen but i, I you know, it, it, it that's not real that's imagining what it would do and why and and, and the benefit, trying to grasp an, a, a picture of what benefit could be gained from that kind of attention to time for that long that then could be applied back in real life. It's not like you have to stay that way forever. But what I'm more likely to do uh, is try to interject a a day life plan, daily day life plan, in which I expect to live according to morning Midday, excuse me, Tim Ferriss move right there, huh? Uh, in morning, midday, mid afternoon, afternoon, dinner, and, and after dinner. I want to create these kind of blocks that are more than an hour that are related to the time and energy level, which is related to the light level of the day, and um, try to make use of that. Right? <clears throat> try to try to see that insight from what we've lost with the clock, and, and try to pull it back in. So that's, that's how I'm going to do it for now. You know, who knows? You know, you play with these ideas, you put them in where you can, and then where they don't fit, they don't stay. And you just kind of move on. At least it causes you to exercise pondering, practice discernment. Uh, work on a little logic, I recommend once in a while, write the idea down, see if you can get it in your own words. And then if you can get it in your own words, uh, see if it made sense. Then, And then when it doesn't make sense, that's when you come back and make like, well, if you said this, and I'm like, yep, You're like, but what about this? Now you got a real argument going, right? So that's good stuff. Uh, Michelle says this, we're moving on again. Pastor Fizz, thanks so much for the quick and insightful response to my question on baptism. It was like a cool drink of water. So I must've answered it last week. Uh, I was hung up on law, but your clear point to the gospel was a great benefit you're pointing to Christ and his completion was all the reminder that I needed in Christ alone, Michelle. Uh, and uh, Paul says, my sons love your Saturday show, ages 17 and 25. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to have you around. That was like a thumbs up, but like a thumbprint thumbs up. I wonder if you could steal my thumbprint that way. The, um, probably not. It's kind of blurry. Uh, I was hung up. I'm skipping around. We're going to get to eggs. Just wondering in your egg issue, if your egg issue had made you an egg-gnostic. I shared an article from The Hustle with my wife this week. Um, as we we saw our backyard chickens depart in the hope that someday we may own backyard ducks instead. Um, long story. On the, on the same day here in New York, which probably wasn't very insightful on my part, I thought I was just sharing something exciting because I know my wife likes chickens. She likes animals in general. Um, <clears throat> so the trends had an article on, it was like a real extended issue on how, you know, you had the shortage of toilet paper. Okay. That was weird. And then it's all, okay, fine. We didn't really run out of it. But we're all out of eggs. One per family. No more eggs. Okay, we're out of eggs. So you're not going to notice this at Costco, and you're not going to notice this at, at Walmart. But at Farm and Fleet, you might notice you can't buy chickens at the moment. Like, not, not dead ones. You can buy dead ones. You can't buy live lay, egg-laying chickens. They're, they're hard to find. Now, perhaps the curve has swung again, and they're on their way back into the, what was it, uh, surplus? Yeah, um, but uh, so many. What are we? Gen X? What? A millennial? Who did this? Who did this? Who was so panic buying that they bought chickens? I mean, God bless y'all. Uh, and maybe, maybe they're going to prove themselves to be totally wise. But I'm just going to say that there's a good chance that the chickens were bought by the same people who bought the eggs, who also bought the toilet paper. And so, just just kind of learn from that, and maybe don't panic buy the next thing. <laughs> and then we'll get out of it like the cycle will stop (laughs) oh my goodness okay uh so agnostic there you go templar book uh you mentioned listening to an audio book on templars uh which is that alan uh, it's called the templars i will try to look i don't know it's on my phone that's charged charging on the other wall um i want to get to the bottom of this pile good afternoon rev fisk my oldest daughter is the same age as your oldest. So this is such a good question. Okay, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. We'll come back to this question right after this break. we got at least another 25 to 30 minutes on the other side of the break, including then the book recommendation. Stop. There we are. Uh we're live and I'm back and I have the answer of that book. It is called the Templars by Dan Jones, the Templars by Dan Jones. I've only gotten maybe 20% into it, if that, and I find it to be an excellent historical read. History can be anywhere from tediously deathly dry, uh, to so story-like, it's almost bad, right? It's just like it's, you're trying too hard. Um, I tend to lean in that direction anyway. I like the story-like flavor, and those who do it well do it really, really well. I'd put this in a—I'd oh, give them a 6 out of 10 on the— the flavor, uh, uh, you know, smoothness of read. I mean, I'm trying to think of the guy who wrote, I can't think of his name now, 1776. I mean, his, read, his, his writing was so clean and smooth. This isn't quite there, but it's much better than many reads you could get. So, and the Audible is is a fantastic production. So, uh, The Templars by Dan Jones. So I'm going to read this this email, um, but I'm not going to have it on the screen j- just because I want to I wanna close out by being big. And then I also want to not go at this so much in part, but as a whole. So I'm going to read the whole thing first, uh, and then uh, uh, go from there. So uh, let's see. Can I do that? No. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Do it this way. Look at this. We got noise everywhere. Chaos. Chaos. Here we go. My oldest daughter is the same age as your oldest, Rev Fisk. I have been back in the I've been back in the Wee TV archives lately to listen to a couple of your more memorable videos for guidance on raising teenage daughters in this fallen world. Thank you. That's high praise. Actually, I I especially like your video titled Not Until I Say I Do and Follow Your Heart. Um, Yes, I remember the first more than the second. Uh, The first is one of the best sellers, as it were. Uh, Follow Your Heart, I don't remember, but I'm sure I probably still agree with it. Uh, I wanted to see if you would be able to do a remix of Source now that our daughters and us parents have a few more years under our belts. I thought the topic of premarital sex and cohabitation in light of your recent passion for rediscovering the first article would make for some interesting insights. It would. It would. Um, I I was listening to Pastor Wolfman's recent video on the anti-catechism. This concept is no more evident than the worldviews of procreation compared to our first article view of creation. It would seem almost every first article reality that we've lost can be tied back to neglecting the natural order of creation. Yes. And the first great commission to procreate. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I do. Uh, So... I want to spend more time, though, talking about, uh, you know, what what it would mean to do that again, to do those videos again, to to reboot them, 2.0 or whatever. Um, But I think I've already established in this particular episode that the distinction between man and woman is of such utmost reality uh, that it's stunning. It, It is only ardent stubborn disbelief that has brought us to where we are now as a society with regard to man and woman. Do you think it's an accident that the beards are back in now? There's another level of how things are happening at play. If you think it's just, Oh, that's just random. There's at least like maybe three to seven levels above that. And I see like two of them. Okay. Wherein in the market is moving and you have a philosophical trend of hundreds of years and the schools, right? I might, I'm going to get my finger on a couple of these pulses. By and large, uh, the market is moving. In such a way that we are obstinately resisting the obvious willfully ignorant uh, on this issue and so the christians you just have to say i probably am too not oh of course they are but no yep where's my blind spot so i think i've been clear on that right um how does this apply to dating marriage uh, being young those are important questions and are what those videos that you reference are really talking about how does a young christian and or should be both Lutheran. <laughs> uh, how do you prepare to marry uh, in this age, knowing what we know about sex and marriage from the Bible, know what we know about sex and marriage from our culture in our world? And you know, would I would I do another set of like intentional produced videos? Um, that'd be cool. Uh, the capability to pull that off is just not available to me as a human being at this time. Uh, it, it could be in the future. One of the you got a couple of tricks here. Um, just time to do any kind of editing to begin with, let alone the planning, uh, the recording and, uh, you know, it, it, to make it happen is separate. You're going to have numbers of takes, all that kind of work. Even if someone else does all of that, this is going to end up being a primary project of mine, which <clears throat> you can really only hand in maybe three of those at a time, maybe five. And, uh, we have one by the way, that isn't quite this high up, but is trying to take something I said somewhere else and re record it better um and then put video to it and release it with intentionality and and to my understanding that's at work uh, us the chills out at work at that somewhere maybe as we speak right um so could this fall into that realm yeah it could it would kind of require i talk somewhere else already about this and then we try to use that and turn it into something more um but so so i uh, rather than sit around waiting for that and get into the, the digs of what it what it's like to try to start a uh media mogul conglomerate (laughs) noisemaker from scratch, you know, how interesting is that to you? Um, Instead, why don't I just kind of talk about the issue a little bit, right? And try not to slouch while I do it. Um, And try not to cover it. Oh, I covered it. Uh, Don't cover it. There you go. I'm on your side. I swear, I'm on your side. Uh, Not until I say I do. It comes down to whether or not you believe you have a body or not. <laughs> uh, go figure. Go figure. It, it comes down to whether or not you believe your body is you. And if you don't think your body is you, then you're not going to think the other person's body is them. You're going to think that they're inside somewhere and the body is just on the outside. So you'd think it's not that big a deal to, like, say, touch them. Hold hands. Something like that. Because, eh, whatever. It's just a body. It's not really, not really him. Him's on the inside. That's so what really matters. Well, I mean, there's some truth to like, like, look, like there is an inside beauty that you can be beautiful on the outside and have an inside ugly. That's true. That's true. But when you touch bodies, you touch each other. And the way that you're made to touch each other as man and woman in creation holds the potency for procreation on purpose as a great and miraculous gift of God to, to all. That's why we're here, in fact. So that potency is there the moment you touch. Now, there are certain relationships in life that, thank God, prevent us from, um, at least so far as normal goes, uh, misabusing this. But then there are other abuses that are not as actively prevented by our current fallen natural state. And when you're 15, 14, it's brand new. Like, you're just like, what the? And I'm not kidding. And so get mad if you think, but that's what they're saying. And that's what what the? That is what it is. Whoa, that's what it is. (laughs) Like, you just, you can't even imagine what's happening to you right now, 14, 15, 16 years. You don't even know how fast and recklessly crazy it's changing. And for you guys, what it's about to turn into. But if you go watch some deer, go Google videos about bucks and just watch them. Watch them. Birth to like death. And then be like, I'm right when the horns came in. Ah, ho, oh. I thought I just loved her. Well, this is the thing. The body is the body. And because you're not a buck with antlers and you're not going to bang your antlers against some other buck's antlers to get the doe, what you're going to do is you're going to try to woo her by making her smile. And as you do that, the potency for touch appears. And once that happens this is this is the whole point it's not you can't you can't get out of your legalism the point is once you touch you started a clock that's not kept on a wall but it's ticking and you live in a world that has no support whatsoever for you not reaching the other end of that clock before you're married and uh so again i think i think wisdom jurisprudence you know, a council would advise that if you've got a bomb that's going to go off once you start it, you don't start it until you're ready for it to go off. And straight up, everything else I could ever say comes from that. I mean, it's not even like you need Christianity to figure this out. It, it really isn't. I mean, we have it. We don't know most of what we have. So why would anybody listen to us anyway? But The body is you, and it's made to exchange energy. Chemically, it happens. You can you can study it even like the skin cells and, and then but the electrons are going back and forth. I mean, it's all sorts of quantum, whatever. God made it too. It is made to unite, to tie, to tie so tightly that eventually that tying becomes another human being who suddenly is there and in need. And oh, look, we have a community. So, so see if I did it now, it'd be a little different than then. would be a little different than then. I'm too old. Would I say the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I can, all I can say is we continue to be in, I'd like to say steadfast prayer. That sounds a bit, 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 uh, uh, macho. Um, we, we stay in weak need prayer. Um, for our daughters and son, that they will marry one who will make their life of faith easier simply by means of sharing it, (laughs) as opposed to not. Uh, And then encourage them with the wisdom I gave them in those videos. Um, They wouldn't, they don't, to my knowledge, I don't know if they've watched the videos, you know, we just have this conversation and assumption. And it would seem that our eldest, loves this and has fully bought into this and the youngers are all kind of along for the ride too. So like the idea that we would as a family, not just throw you out there into the meat market to get glued to somebody on accident and have to deal with the consequences. Uh, we're we're going to walk with each other toward the inheritance of our family, like literally. Uh, and they know failure as I may be from time to time. And I got a temper. Um, they know that my agenda uh, is to hand them a life of faith wherein they can raise their own family, and uh, because they know that, I believe there's a level of trust uh, and they uh, were doing this also, yeah, you know, I don't know how to say this. The last time I said this it was in a video critique of a girl who was an atheist and it just it just her dad got mad and stuff and it was weird um but it's kind of a thing uh if you're if you're in the Protestant world at all. Good chance you're just a legalist, straight up. You're a Pharisee. I don't know how to say it. You're straight up are. You don't even know it. You're not mean. You know the Pharisees weren't mean. They are really nice people. You're you, you, you one, though. And until the proper distinction between law and gospel illuminates you in such a way you can call call a fish what it is and call a tiger what it is when you see it, um, and not really make too many mistakes on that one, uh, which means you could preach it at that point too. Um, <clears throat> well, without that, you default to legalism. You just do. This isn't me like being like, wait, I'm better than you. I didn't do that. No, 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 no. Humans default to legalism. And so you're going to take me talking about fingers going emotion glue and you're going to be like, he said they can't touch. And it's like, all right, man. You, my answer to that is you live in the law. Have fun with that. When it, when it drives you to hell, if that day is before, you're actually at the gates of hell and won't back down. See what I did there? Easter egg, 1995. If you won't back down, well then, you know, whatever. But until then, I'm I'm gonna be here to say to you, you know, don't go that route, brother. Don't go that route. Uh I am grateful that you as a community have listened long enough to me, <clears throat> some of you that this has become a bona fide conversation. And it's on a bunch of different levels. I'm going to cough again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't take my second commercial break. <clears throat> oh, I did. I didn't get water during it. I was quiet. Um, it's been a, a, a bona fide conversation. You can go back and you can find in those thousands of videos that are back there. Now I said this. I said that. What do you think now? What happened here? You maybe go back and you can, you can see where I've changed, which is a few places, and you can see where I haven't, and maybe that helps too. But I love that you're all growing in your different spots. The Karpas is straight up, <clears throat> and you're finding that, that the Lord is good, that Joshua, Jesus, the Christ, that he is in his word inhabiting you making you his habit and you finding that that habitation uh, is your own habit of devotion, prayer, solace, struggle, trial, study, all these things. The fact that you would invite me to be the voice for a time in your life into that conversation and be there long enough to come back and say, now what about? Um, I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, I, being a public figure is weird, and I, I, th- I think I've been trained for it now enough that it's not going to bother me too much, but it used to a ton. <clears throat> so if you want to tweet, again, that was way early in this, you know, get ready for people to hate you. To, to, to be the target, to be out there and just throw yourself out there and, and let people hate. Um, well, that's what it is to do TV. And that's what this is. I mean, we, we can argue over, you know, TV 1980s. TV, 1990s, cable, whatever. When you're on the internet and there's a talking head, it's the television set. It's just inside the internet. And that's what we're doing here on Saturday mornings. It's Lutheran TV. I'm not going to call it that very often. But but to see that then, right? That's what you're doing. You're you're, you're here to watch the TV because you think it's good TV. And again, that's high praise. I can't thank you enough for that. That you find value in this, so thank you. Um, and then uh, just realize, then we're we're in this conversation together for the church, which is where you are and where I am, because together we are this body and our head, who is Jesus. <laughs> you know, he watches over us, so he's working all these things for our good, and he's binding the church where it does remember his word in these trying times together across space to strengthen us with each other. And that that again is something just to rejoice in this even happening. And then to say, okay, so I'm not just watching TV on Saturday morning with Fisk. Now I'm part of a greater conversation beyond just him. I mean, how many, how many comments do we have? How many hundreds of you have gone through this morning in there and are talking to each other who know each other now who can support each other, who can understand each other, who can learn from each other both theologically and in life, both here and elsewhere. And when you buy into that, what that does is it spills. It spills over to others, and it spills over to others. And what you have happening is the word of God. Without you trying to make it spread, it just spreads. Because it is good. Yeah. So thanks for joining me on that. That epic journey of believing in that. I've had I've hitched my wagon to it. I mean, when you get ordained, you hitch your wagon your income to it, at least for a while, you, you can be ordained without an income, but, uh, uh, so for what that's worth, you know, your participating with me is your affirmation that this wagon's going the right way. And, uh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right. So let's see here. It is ten thirty-five. Nathaniel, <clears throat> you got like 20 seconds. I know there's a delay. You ask, what's the topic right now? I'm going to tell you whatever your next question is. <laughs> if you can bring it back that hair is suave my friend um mm, 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 mm. yeah i'm gonna wait half a second we'll just let mom monster give us some hearts to look at for a moment oh by the way i can do a commercial for oscar mike you can see oscar mike in the background here i did not get this glorious t-shirt from oscar mike so much as from ranger up but as a baptism day present i was given a t-shirt from oscar mike that has a very cool mishmash fusion America 300 thing going on. And Oscar Mike is an organization that helps disabled vets, uh, stay active and be involved in things that allow them to get moving. Uh, and, uh, you can check it out anytime. Uh, Again, it was a gift. And so thank you. You who gave the gift. And there you go. Promo. Nathaniel, are you still here? Do you got a question for me? Not seeing it. We got hearts from Ardith. She's buying time. She's buying time. Oh, my, 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 it's good TV. Says Salish, Salish Heights. Say real name? That's a fascinating name. It's a good TV, good informational, straight-up information. Formation. Yeah, that's a good word, too. Thank you, Pastor. You are welcome, Nathaniel S. I think what I'm going to be getting out to here, I can tell you what my day's got ahead of me here. I mean, ah, I'm so frustrated, though. I thought I was going to get that promo from the, for the start, the music at the start. I was going to have it all done. And then I was also going to have a commercial, and I was going to get the end to work. No, Jonathan, you didn't. Um but I'm not going to do that now. The article for, uh, I do have the title for Mad Mondays lead. If you haven't signed up for Mad Mondays, you definitely should. It is the Christian newsletter. If you're under a thousand subscribers to subscribe to <clears throat> and uh yeah i think you'll find it's, it's quite stunning and the work that frisbee and uh, Shadowbroker are putting into it it continues to evolve and get better um get on that list and you will hear me talk about i don't have it written here where is it my article lead doesn't even make any sense whatsoever uh the axe and the ec uh, we'll, we'll find out if i can make that work so i'll probably be doing that now here roger thank you for the super chat while we see if nathaniel has a question um he says thanks for the shows weekly i have grown from them you are welcome, Roger. I appreciate it. Oh, 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 I cannot forget that. It was not your name, but it was like your name, and I've managed to move my pen. This is funny. Where did I put it? I'm going to remember. All right, it's for after the show. Uh, Mad Mondays. Sign up if you haven't. Patreon makes all this happen. So those of you who've been jumping on, and there has been a, I wouldn't call it a smorgasbord, there has been a, um an uptick in uh patreon subscriptions of late and thank you that is incredibly helpful Uh, so please continue doing that if you are willing to be on board buying the stuff i'm going to use the Logitech logitech camera until i find an alternative but you know that kind of thing does take money um so Thank you. If you're on Patreon, if you haven't, please consider doing so. Mad Monday, as I already mentioned, I know there's at least something else I should be saying that I'm not. It has to do with how you should find everything else at RevFist.com. You should send any questions you got that didn't get seen in the sidebar today to RevFist.com contact. You should expect me to be back at least by 8.30 next week at the same time, although I continue to ponder how else I might just sprinkle the week with a little more video. But of course, you got all the reboot, repicks, and repackages coming through the week. Two, I'm not even going to go look. I'm just going to say it was, it was, it is done. And Roger, one more time, I'm going to bring you back up to say thank you for the super chat. All of you who super chatted this morning, that also is cool. It very much is cool. So I think, I think, I think Caleb, I'll give you one. He says, thanks for spending time with us. How do you feel about us strangers who watch on YouTube approaching you to introduce ourselves to if we ever run into you somewhere in public? Well as I'll just throw Jedi up here too. Um, it's happened. happened at an airport once that was really surprising. And she wasn't LCMS, which is even weirder. And that was like six years ago. But, um, yeah, you come up say, hi, if you want a photo, that's cool. I'm weird. I'm an introvert. I'm like, I really am. Like, uh, when Eminem in friends with the monster says, you know, you don't know how weird I really am. Like, like I sing that part. <laughs> <clears throat> so I know I got my own awkward ticks and all that, but come up. Uh, I like, I like people. I will I will smile at you through my pained introverted face and uh, and we can have a picture and talk and whatever just um, if if I don't look like I remember you just tell me your name again and uh, <clears throat> and because even if I know your face I may not know your name uh, and then uh, ask me something like like don't just stare like I'm not gonna dance so ask me something absolutely come to say hi uh, Jenna <clears> Knight <throat> threw in a. Uh, I'm 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 humping in the microphone. I apologize. Threw in a super chat at the end. I want to recognize it? Need to hear some thoughts in Matthew twenty-seven. <laughs> You're gonna make me stay. Water. 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 <clears throat> now, so who was what was the name of our friend earlier who didn't like the the noises? I th- this will be only once ever. Back away. Turn your cross area down. Here it comes. That's a good mic though. I mean, really, that was that wasn't bad. So, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, to get the phlegm off it. He says, I need to hear some thoughts on Matthew 27, 52. Is this a preview of the resurrection? Did those people die again? It's very out of place. I'm not even going to go, look, again, um, you can. It is out of place. It's a weird verse. So Matthew 27, 52, if the typo is not a typo, if, if it is typed correctly, is a verse in which it says that at the death of Jesus, Resurrection? Now I do want to go look at it. My Bible's far away. I want to say it's at the death of Jesus. So correct me in the comments if you catch it. Um, ooh, ooh, and Paul's just gonna get just gonna get headlined right there. You're right, is the highlight. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, I want to say it's his death. Correct me if I'm wrong. In either case, death or resurrection at the event of Jesus, the day of the Lord. You have like tombs in Jerusalem open because not dead people who were dead and are not zombies but are now alive because they resurrected they come out right and we we got we got the super chats continuing to come thank you Jonathan um and I'm going to come back to you but I want to recognize you right there um uh that and then what happened like like you don't have the moment when, when Mary and and Mary the wife of Clopas and oh what's the other one there's the other one who's got the funnier name um and they're all going to the tomb and like, like, oh my goodness, it's Moses. <laughs> you know, you know what, what, that was uh, Zedekiah. I mean, you don't have that, right? Who were these people? What does it mean? Did it really happen? Thank you, Willard, for the super chat. Uh, we'll come back to it. Did it really happen? You guys can keep me going by super chatting, I guess. Um, uh, did it really happen? Um, no, did not really happen? Why did it happen? To what end did it happen? Obviously, it really happened. Why did he tell us it happened? There's no other information about this. Um, I've heard Lutheran pastors get really defensive on this and and try to make certain statements about like dogmatically what did happen next. I, I kind of shrug and say, guys, like like really we it's it's one of those verses. There there's a term. Uh I can get it on the I can get it on the screen here if you give me half a second of patience. I'm gonna probably spell it wrong, but you'll get the sound right. Legomenon. like that. <clears throat> a hop ox might be an A. Hopox Legomenon. Hopox legamanon. It's it's Greek. Uh, and you know what? It's related to the word word, like uh homologumina and antilagomena are. I really don't know much more about it other than what it refers to, which is that when you are in the Hebrew Bible and there is a word form, a construction the sounds of the vowels in the letters, that this is the only place in the whole Bible you find this. It's called a hotbox legomena. And that can be um, also then like the word itself. It's the only use of the word in the entire Bible. So it's a singular event, and there is no other. And what makes them difficult is if you have a word from some ancient language that this is the only use of the word ever, and it's in a weird sentence... You might not know what it means. <laughs> uh, and so what you have then, and the reason I'm sharing this thought is that I think it's good as a layperson to maybe realize the hotbox legomenon doesn't just have to apply to words, but there are verses in the Bible that kind of are hotbox legomenons for understanding. Like, it's just like, whoa, that was gnarly. I don't know what it means. And if at a later time, the Lord reveals that, that's great. And if not, that was gnarly. Amen you know, because it just, you just don't have a way to build on it. I don't think. Now, again, I've, I've, I've heard guys say they rose from the dead. They joined the early church. They died normal lives in the early church as martyrs. Like, that's cool. Like I'm all with that's in the realm of possibility. I'm just not going to get dogmatic about it because I don't know. And and I'm okay not knowing. I mean, that that's what it gets to the answer to the question. Like you're going to have a weird verse here and there. And maybe sometime it makes sense at another point later. Maybe someone else has the answer. So isn't me today. And I try really hard not to dogmatize what is just my opinion. Uh, Jonathan dropped this super chat earlier. Wanted to make sure we saw it. He says, I recently finished the Daniel Revelation series on your podcast. It'd be nice if I finished them, huh? <laughs> I know time is a resource, but man, I want more of this stuff. Yes. Yes. Daniel 6 is still sitting. I'm really thinking. I'm really I don't know. We'll see. It's it's in the dreams. It's in the dreams. It's not. It's not outside of the realm of what I plan to do. So, it's there. I agree. Yes. How? Thank you, Jonathan, for listening to them. I really appreciate it. And the super chat. Willard says uh, thanks. Just jumping in, but I'll watch the rest later. Appreciate that as well, R- Willard. So, all right. I can't even give you because the closing. Hold on. Just hang tight. Oh. Well, that'll work okay so i can do that hold on if i do but i need to have like the right song so can't do that can't do that what do you think uh, that sounds fun to me all right there we go y'all along for this ride <laughs> uh we'll get there eventually professionalism is uh, is a myth <laughs> it's all hack and the only question is do you want to see the hack or do you want to only see it after the hack's been done thanks for tuning in this morning it's been a pleasure as always keep everything coming that you want to keep coming if not you are free in the gospel whatever you do don't wallow in the muck my friends but remember uh, you are you are absolutely bought with a price you are not your own which is the commandment to uh, to rock on oh oh! I, I was hit the wrong to rock on All right, so if you're still watching, um, it means you like the music enough to help me decide which music we're gonna make the closing music, at least for the moment. And I kind of like the one I just did. Let's do that again here. Oh, I need to unmute it. Hold on. Mute. It starts like that. I kind of like that. one's real serious but it got i felt like that one got a little cheesy in the middle what do you think you can send it to riffist.com contact i won't make the decision right now but if you have uh a preference for this one again uh adrenaline rush taking back the night no that's that's the middle one we don't want to take that uh, we'll use that for a commercial. So you have, again, Adrenaline Rush. That one. You have Anthem to the Fallen. We should get really intense. We have Our causes Just. This one gets really good later. Um, you have Steady Nerves. With My Last Breath. I think I got some more, but my vote for now is that what do you think anybody the somber music which one what's the somber one um this one (laughs) (laughs) this music is so cool though it's audio hero by the way again this one's alright it's just a little too like invigorating business climate come work for google Here at Stark Industries, right? Here at Mad Christianity, we believe in a different kind of Christian. One who is not bothered by stuff that he has to make up on the spot. I'm glad I'm not freestyle rapping right now, but the music is repetitive, not inspiring. I think this is like ESPN. For NBA TV, when you're paying for the stream, you're waiting for the game to get back. That's what I want to be. What do you think? What do you think? Hey, you can send it to, uh, between those two, that was Adrenaline Rush was the second one, and we had, I think it was, Our Cause is Just? No, it was Steady Nerves. Steady Nerves. You can do Steady Nerves, Adrenaline Rush, or... Anthem to the Fallen. Redfist.com slash contact. You guys vote. I'll probably let the winner do it, unless it's one of you, and then I'm going to choose. <laughs> so, um, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Uh, I'll give you the one I want, like this. It'll work eventually. Here, we'll fix it like this. I'll be right back. and the only problem is Jonathan's super chat got left off but I mentioned his name you guys don't wall in the muck we'll catch you mad Monday or sooner until then lift up your eyes see the kingdom approaching rock on